Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Life without hope. Now that's living hell. This is what real hope looks like. This is the, the word that those hopeless people need to hear. This is the word that 3,000 people that try to commit suicide today, the 3,000 that will try to commit to tomorrow, 3,000 that will try to commit on Monday, this is the word that they need to hear is that there is hope. It's real superpower. It's hope. There's hope. Welcome to another episode of Victims and Villains. This is the show where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. I am your host, Captain Nostalgia, and this is the big boy. This is San Diego. This is the second year that we are getting to talk all things San Diego and a little bit of cooler things outside of San Diego as well. But uh, I am joined by a gentleman that we've been trying to have on our show since February of this year. Schedules <laughs> suck in the real world when you have a real job. But please help me in welcoming two victims and villains, Ladarius Livingston. What's going on, dude? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Man, I'm tired, but I'm I am awake. tired, too. <laughs> I got you up probably earlier than usual, so... My apologies. Ah, uh, no, man, it's good. Like I was telling you last night, like we we, I I've gotten up like super early for this show, and I've stayed up super late for this show. I've run on. Uh, we had one episode where uh, we did a crossover with our friends over at um, the Retro Re- Rewind, and we recorded both parts in one night. And those guys live <laughs> west coast. So they're three oh, hours man. behind, and I did not end up getting off of there until 3 a.m. and had to be back up uh, for a meeting at, like, 7. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, soon. Well, not soon, but in a while. I'll let y'all know. Well, y'all going to the store, right? Oh, you're... you're just, oh, no, I won't. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. No, man. That's what. That's what. That's the beauty of editing. That person never walks in. <laughs> so let's jump in to talk about uh, who you are as a creator, bro. All right. Well, my name is Ladarius Livingston. Um, I've been taking illustration seriously since about 2014 when I got out of high school. And I've been drawing, like, all my life, but I never 
took it serious until like the last parts of high school, which I kind of regret. But, you know, it was also my awakening. So I was like, you know, I'd like to be a creator. So this is something I want to do. I always wanted to be involved in video games or film. Um, those have played like a huge part of my life as far as my personality and how I write, how I present myself sometimes. And I thought it'd be cool to dive into comics and animation. Um, I haven't gotten into animation yet, but comics have been like my main study for Remy Squad. So that's a little bit of of my origin, but <laughs> So a couple of the Remy Squad characters are actually featured in our uh The Color of Hope coloring book that we just put out. Uh thank you yeah. for your contribution. Yes, of course. Anytime. And uh I that's Remy Squad doesn't actually have like a official I guess like comic out yet um, right? but it definitely has like its own unique style to it um, at least that I would say it has like a classic animation meets like anime meets mm-hmm. something um, like I don't know what, like when I see it like I just like kind of think of Dexter's Laboratory yeah, like, I grew up, um, you know, on Cartoon Network, like Nickelodeon, like some of the late 90s, early 2000s shows. And so a lot of my inspiration comes from that. And when I was about eight, I started reading Japanese manga. And Dragon Ball was the first manga I picked up. And I read it the wrong way because, you know, Japanese manga is uh, not like regular comics. Sure, yeah. And... So I read all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. I never watched the show because I wasn't patient enough to watch the shows because of all the filler dialogue. And sometimes the animations were looped, which kind of threw me off a bit. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, that that's basically where my, my biggest inspiration comes from. Akira Toriyama, who's the artist of Dragon Ball, and the artist who did uh, Astro Boy is another one that I take heavy inspiration from and then in recent times uh, a few of the indie artists that I follow uh, shout out to Mikhail Sebastian uh, Nicholas Ivory and Anthony Piper who's working on an indie series called Tri League it's like a flipped uh, black version of the Justice League it's a parody kind of like the Boondocks that's cool and it's hilarious and so those those few things were stuff that just kind of kept me in my creative state and just wanting to make something that people would enjoy. And so Remy Squad, it came into my head, like, it was kind of a New Year's resolution project, but then it turned into something I started to take seriously, so I've rewritten the script so many times. Like, I started developing it back in January 2016, and here we are, like, a year and a half later, and I'm still just, like adding new characters that at first I wasn't going to add and there's some characters I've taken out but the two characters I sent you are two of the antagonists um, Silver and Sylvia who they'll play a major role so tell us a little bit about this because I I feel like I don't know anything about this but like I'm intrigued Mm -hmm. by the art alone and I feel like that sells a book so fantastically if you can sell someone (laughs) on the art yeah so basically um, it's a story about these kids who do nothing but cause trouble, especially within their school systems. And they're sent to this underground student council, sort of. And they're 
basically forced into playing these no holds barred games of basketball. So there's not going to be like any fouls or whatnot. So it's just going to have like a bunch of kids punching each other and whatnot. And at first I was trying to figure out ways to make it work with basketball because um, I wanted to do kickball, but I saw an episode of the boondocks from season three where they did a kickball episode. And I didn't want to seem like I was leeching off of that. So I was like, you know, I'll do basketball. And one of my favorite games growing up was this arcade game called Arch Rivals. It was a midway arcade game. And that was basically kind of the premise of Remy Squad, but uh, in kind of a street ball fashion. And so kind of with the mix of the old NBA Jam games, that's kind of what I envision is this crazy, like, kids jumping around, kicking each other, punching each other, but they're playing basketball at the same time. So it's it's going to probably end up being, like, T-rated because originally I wasn't going to have it you know holds barred thing but then I realized these kids can be bad kids but you'll be rooting for them <laughs> yeah I feel like you can never really underestimate like taking kids anywhere cause there's another uh, comic um creator that we're friends with and uh he had a jersey and he tells the story of like two kids in like a haunted house and mm-hmm. the language in it um, is is not my favorite part of it. I I love the story and I love the dude as a as a creator. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you can never really underestimate what you can utilize with with kids and. <laughs> yeah, that's very understandable. So like, I feel like almost it's uh, it almost kind of sounds like Remy Squad is very heavily influenced by I would I would at least say Space Jam. <laughs> Definitely. Um, is it now? Is it going to have that heart and that humor into it as well? Oh yeah, it'll definitely, definitely be humor. Uh, that's another thing. Like comedy has always played, you know, a role in my life as well. And uh, between stand up and watching sketch comedy, that's something I've always wanted to do personally. Is right, and I just like to make people laugh. So I think I'll be able to have fun with the series and with the art style as well. You know, being anime influenced, I kind of want to, kind of like how Avatar, you know, had their their humorous parts, or the Blue Knights to have, you know, comedy from the beginning of the episode to the end. That's something I want to go for because I feel some some artists have gotten like a little bit lazy in the animation industry, and usually um, art seems more advanced, you know, and Korea or in Japan or in France that do like these really cool um, videos or short animes that don't last long because people don't want to pay to do them basically now with the with the animation style being so heavily from like anime influence are we gonna be expecting like uh, like a manga like in the traditional uh, Japanese sense or are you guys looking to do an Americanized comic with Japanese influence It'll probably be more Americanized with Japanese influence, um, but I also I want to make it look like manga. Um, originally, I was going to do it in full color, but I don't have much time to do it in full color. Otherwise, it'd take a lot longer. So I'm more likely going to do um, uh, what's the software called? It's a software called Clip Studio Paint, which I think is like the closest to being able to get digitized manga because I draw digitally. And a lot of artists that I see use it, and my computer crashes a lot um, just using Sketchbook Pro. And I use Manga Studio 
uh, usually for After Effects, but just lately I've been toying around with it and kind of kind of trying to utilize it as my main uh, go-to software. So, and I think that that makes it more more special as, as a book if it is uh, you know done in that black and white traditional, because I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as much as I love indie comics, I was just I'm I'm now starting to get into like anime and like manga, and and I want yeah. to see like more, because um, like at first like when I was getting into comics, I was like strictly DC, and then like when we started doing this podcast, I I kind of like wanted to venture into like the other you know the independent world, and that's how we met, mm-hmm. and I now that I'm like trying to get into like anime, like I I I love the indie scene. But I, at the same yeah. time, like I, I want to, I want to see more mangas, and I don't think that a lot of them exist. Yeah, and like uh, Mikael Sebastian, he has this book called Vidalica uh, Lux Nova, which is amazing. You know, when you look at it, it's as if you're reading a book that was made in Japan because it looks so much like a Japanese manga. And that book is what inspired me to go back to my anime roots because I started doing study because I wanted to do Marvel DC superheroes and then just out of nowhere I just kind of clicked in my head that I wanted to draw what I was comfortable with and I'm still kind of um, working on that stuff as well you know I took heavy influence from mostly the New 52 stuff Uh, Arby Silva he's a really good illustrator he worked on um, New 52 Superboy and a few other books that I still read over and over sometimes and but yeah I definitely want to take a manga approach with it just kind of challenge myself as well because there's so many different laws as far as like you know comics is kind of like film you know you're basically drawing a movie right and so with manga it's slightly different but I think I think I should be able to make it work I've been reading a lot of books and watching a lot of tutorials so and I think with manga yeah. too, it it seems like the the storytelling aspect of it is definitely a lot, like a lot like more slower and a lot more uh, better paced. So are we mm-hmm. gonna be expecting to kind of see like a a little bit of like a slower story with like a big payoff at the end for your first arc? I'm hoping. I'm probably gonna build it up as much as possible. I want it to be something. I want the first volume at least to be long enough for people to enjoy up until I'm able to finish the second um, because I've been working on the first for a while and I changed my initial art style when I was first working on it because I was going to go for a Dragon Ball look but I didn't want to seem generic so um, I studied a lot of uh, the Boondocks and uh, Avatar Last Airbender, Legend of Korra and then just kind of shadow a few of the indie artists that I follow and kind of learning stuff from them and constantly bothering them and their messages. So sorry about that, you guys. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know. I just kind of want to, I want to create something that people will be able to look at and they're like, wow, indies can do that too. Like I can do that myself. And because I never thought of like a lot of, manga artists create their books by themselves. You know, they ink it. If they do, you know, occasional colors like in the beginning of the book and then uh, the full illustration. So they're working and sleeping only like four hours a day, but working most of their day, like Toriyama was, to just meet deadlines. So I'm kind of of trying to challenge myself to do that, but I don't want to 
tire myself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like being an independent creator. We had a um, uh, Adrian Petty on a couple weeks back, and he was talking about you know us us indies. We as much what you hold in your hand, like that's our passion. Like we still have to have like day jobs and stuff like that. So that's the unfortunate yeah. part of of doing independent comics. Yeah, it's hard, especially because I'm writing and illustrating it on my own. Um, it it just it kind of takes a toll on you. There's days where you just want to kind of quit for a while, but you know you just gotta pull through. See, but I feel like at the, the same time, like when you're writing and when you're doing the art for it as well, like it, it's when the when the like result is done because it. I'm guessing for you, it sounds like you're in the process of creating pages right now and you're mm-hmm. probably yeah. shooting for like maybe like an October to like December release by the time that you actually hold that physical copy in your hands you can be like this is two years of blood sweat and tears right here yeah <laughs> man that, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to like especially physical I definitely want to do a physical copy um because I don't know I just love holding a book versus a digital copy just like clicking and I want to be able to hold my book and say, I made this. And I want to also, um, probably within the next year, go to a few of the indie cons that they have here in Michigan and try to reach out and kind of put myself out there so people know who I am and what I do. That's basically kind of my plan B. Yeah, I feel like, uh, and definitely um, seeing it and kind of communicating, like cons are definitely like bread and butter for independent artists. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, plan on plan on cons. Yeah, like when I went to I went to my first con. It was called MechaCon. It was in uh, Detroit, and that's where I met Anthony Piper, who works on Trilly. And it was so inspiring just seeing all the other artists out there, and some who were, you know, not even I'm not I'm not bashing them, but there are some who weren't barely any as good as me, which I don't really consider myself the best. And they were out there, you know, had their own table and they were just selling stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. It's really just a place for everybody to just kind of present themselves and get a business card and learn about who these people are. And they're all just average people who work day to day like I do, who are just trying to make it in the art game. Yeah, and that's definitely, I think when you, there's like, there's definitely two different ways to look at conventions. You go in as a fan. I think uh, the first couple years that I started attending conventions, it was definitely as a fan. And when we started doing this podcast and when we started doing conventions to kind of reach out for the suicide prevention angle, um, it was, it was definitely a lot like, it was almost like flipped because you're like, all right, well, this is no longer something I'm, uh, you know, I'm not looking to, you know, what can I get now? It's now it's who can I network with? And your, your mindset completely changes in, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like originally when I started Remy squad, I'm thinking, Oh, I'm going to get famous. I'm going to get a lot of money. I'm going to be a millionaire, yada, yada. But then as I work on it and as I mature as an artist, it just turned into appreciating the fact that I'm able to do it. And there's a, a few artists who I follow that are kind of sick, you know, and, you know, they're in and out of hospitals. And I'm just like, man, that could be me. And they're still doing their, you know, following their passion. So instead of, I mean, I would love to do art full time and make a living off of it. But at the same time, I love just being able to do it and make time to do it. And I can still be a creator, uh, 
even though I have to work a factory job at the moment. So <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that is kind of the the blessing of that because I there's like it's definitely you you want that's always the, the like the longevity, like wanting to do like art full time, but then you know, mm-hmm. if you're doing it full time, are you appreciating it full time? Yeah, exactly. Uh you just I feel like there's a there's that very fine balance there that you have to have. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to just be able to wake up and then just draw for the whole day, but then there's so many artists who who draw you know all day and then they're just like sometimes I just wish that I could work a regular job and I'm like really and I don't know just for me I I want to be full time eventually it probably won't be for the next few years I I reckon um, I'm still finding ways to improve I'm still working on anatomy and perspective and environments there's so many things i have to like build up on but good morning yeah it's definitely a thing good morning but yeah it's definitely something that i I put my studies towards is just progressing and trying to be a better me and inspiring everybody around me yeah and and on that note let's jump into some conventions yeah so we got a couple trailers to talk about with you but before we jump into talking trailers, this was an interesting story that came out of the first day of Comic-Con, is that Fox mm-hmm. is apparently developing a Doctor Doom movie. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Like, let's just jump into that. <laughs> so far, like, I haven't been happy with Fox, with what they did with the last Fantastic movie, and even the weird ones they did in the early 2000s. Uh, I don't know. Because Doctor Doom is such an important character. Like He's one of the greatest Marvel villains, in my opinion. And I also think because the rights being everywhere in like all these different studios, they can't use so much material that they want to or really you know, flush it out how it should be. So I'm not saying give the rights back to Disney. I usually I'm not one of those guys that say, okay, just give the rights to Disney. But I don't want them to do it wrong at the same time, which they haven't been on a good streak other than, you know, their their recent X-Men films. I mean, a lot of people didn't like Apocalypse. I kind of liked it. And Logan was really good and Deadpool, but yeah, Marvel Fox is just they need to do something with Fantastic 4, but I really don't want them to mess up Doom cuz Doom is he was a huge character for me growing up too. So. Yeah, I I uh I I don't know how I feel about this. Um it's interesting. I I think that studios are still like these major like comic book films like they've gotten how to do good comic book heroes like centered mm-hmm. villain like centered but at the same time like they they wanting to do villain themed movies and um we got uh, yesterday, even a hearing coming out of Friday, that Warner Brothers now is trying to develop a Harley Quinn versus Joker film, and oh. yeah, yeah, that's how I didn't happening. even know that. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, my phone died three times yesterday because I was constantly on it checking for Comic Con news, and <laughs> that's uh, that's one of the perks of of doing this podcast is is making sure that you're constantly um on it, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, I, I think it's and and Suicide Squad last year we saw how well that was received. Um, mm-hmm. I liked it. It wasn't it wasn't everything I 
thought it was going to be, but it's still an enjoyable film. I feel like uh, right. doing a villain-themed movie, like, they haven't been able to, to touch that yet. And I feel like yeah. Doctor Doom is... is uh, I don't know, like, like too terribly much about him. You probably do. Um, you can probably mm-hmm. elaborate on this, but I feel like he's got a little bit more of, like, a, a intriguing complexity to him that I feel like yeah. you could do a a decent film off of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I know Sony, they're wanting to do a Venom film, which, you know, I guess is another villain, main villain film. And, but him and Dr. Doom are two different characters. And yeah, I, oh man, I'm just scared to see a Doom movie just done wrong. Because they've already got them wrong in the last Fantastic Four movie. Oh, yes. The one with, uh, what was the character? Uh, not the character, but the one with Michael B. Jordan and all the other ones that just recently came out. Fan Four Stick. Kinda, yeah, Fan Four Stick. <laughs> yeah, that one just kind of threw me off. And I, I just kind of gave up on Fox's vision of Fantastic Four. But. If they can do a Doom film right and then incorporate it in their universe well enough, then I think I can I can be okay with that. Are they the ones working on? Oh no, never mind, never mind. That's uh, Disney. They're doing the Inhumans TV show. Yes, I, I think at this point, I think the only reason we're, we're still getting um, kind of these Fantastic Four films and or even at this point, Fantastic Four themed films are because uh Disney or not Disney um Fox has the rights and they have to they have to make certain movies within like such a period of time like that was the reason that you know Punisher reverted back to Marvel is because uh they weren't making films fast enough that was the reason Blade came back to uh Marvel's because they weren't making these films fast enough so I think it's it's interesting to me that we're getting these um that I feel like this to me is is gonna be like oh well we have to develop this because if we don't we lose the rights and they go back and um, I think it's I don't know how I feel about this like I, I feel like they they could make this but I feel like it could be incredibly crappy at the same time I think that um, for a while uh, Fox's X Men universe was really bad mm-hmm. and then. Simon Kimberg stepped in and and helped out and they gave us first class and I feel like ever yeah. since first class that that vision and that universe has really been set back on on fourth so yeah I agree with that definitely like first class is definitely like wow this is good like I liked X-Men 1 and 2 from the time they came out you know what they were you know it's just kind of still the beginning of comic book films and they were still kind of tapping into what they could do and I know when the third one came out, there were, I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> there's a lot of other, um, like with X-Men Origins Wolverine, and a lot of those films just kind of dragged me down for a while until I saw First Class. And that's when it got fun and also very interesting. And I kind of like that universe of, or not universe, but that cast of characters just because they're younger and I don't know. It's, it, it feels like you're seeing a, a new beginning of something. I feel like with Days of Future Past, they kind of were able to reset their timeline so they can do all this new stuff that 
you know, they might have not been able to do unless they had did a full reboot, which is probably what they did want to do, obviously. But yeah, yeah, that's basically all I had to say about you know the X Men films. Like they had, they they're still they sometimes still get a little bit bumpy, but First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse, I'll say, are like my favorite three, just because they they feel like really well done films and they're very enjoyable to watch. But I feel like a lot of people have been so used to seeing the MCU succeed that no matter what other whether it be Sony or Fox, you know, whatever they do, they won't ever top the MCU. Like, I liked Spider-Man Homecoming a lot, and there were aspects of the Amazing Spider-Man I liked with Andrew Garfield, and some people just, you know, completely like, shun the Garfield films over Tom Holland. Well, I think Tom Holland does a really good job at Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But I'm not sure what your take is on that either. I have yet to actually see the the Holland film. Um, I, I liked him in Civil War, um, but mm-hmm. I, I think that if they would just kind of take their time with it, um, I think that uh, definitely one thing that you have Fantastic Four and you also have at the same time you have X Men. X Men's proven to be a good like franchise for Fox, and so I mm-hmm. feel like if you want to do um, as as cheesy as it is to say like I feel like in order to do a good successful Fantastic Four franchise you need to introduce these you need to introduce these um, uh, introduce the Fantastic Four into the X-Men universe as almost kind of like background characters I would say Um, maybe like tell their origin stories through post credit scenes Um, Mm -hmm. like I I don't know how that would like that fair, but I feel like that would kind of be the way to do it um, to kind of connect the two because, you know, essentially at the end of the day, Fantastic Four, they are mutants. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think that the, the angle on doing a Doctor Doom film is, is a good angle, is an interesting angle to, to kind of take and, and reboot this, um, tell his story because in the comics, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Doom is very... He's a lot older than the Fantastic Four, isn't he? Or is he like... Yeah, he's... Well, uh, yeah, the, uh, Dr. Victor, he's... As far as, like, age goes, I think he's more mature than Reed, Sue, and Ben, and Johnny. Um, but then when he... He just... He, he taps into so much because he does... He goes back in time and learns a lot of stuff um, as far as like magic and sorcery, and he gets heavily involved with a lot of the really big, you know, A-list Marvel characters, and he's more than just a you know a Fantastic Four villain. Um, but as far as like building a universe, starting with Doom, I think still kind of still kind of scares me because I think he, alongside the Fantastic Four, they all got their abilities at the same time. So if they are Rebooting because I I don't think they're gonna go off with a actually yeah they canceled Fan Four Stick so depending on what they do with that I mean it could work actually now that I'm thinking about it yeah I feel like it it definitely has potential it it just it's how you present it because let's mm-hmm. be honest when when Fan Four Stick was first initially conceptualized it sounded amazing and. Mm-hmm. 
I think that Josh Trank could have given us a, a beautiful vision because Chronicle was like Chronicle was an indie treasure, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, a lot of people kind of like downplay that how how good that that was, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like at the same time you could have had um, like the whole like they were going to do something like independent kind of like found footage type of thing for yeah. a, a superhero film that would have been interesting and i think that what we got wasn't so i feel like i feel like they could definitely can uh take this film and definitely have potential with it mm-hmm. yeah that that would definitely be like interesting to see because yeah like you said like chronicle is gold you know i remember the first time watching it and i'm just like I'm just like, what? This is really, really cool. Like, oh my god! And you know, seeing Fantastic Four, I still like Fan Forced it. It was, it was just bad. But it could have been good. Like, honestly, it wasn't as bad as I, as a lot of people anticipated to be. Like, it still had potential. It was a really short movie, so there really was no time for character development. And amongst you know the four plus Doom. And seeing how, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, they were able to take these few characters and bring them in somehow, and then now they're friends and everybody loves them so much that the second movie did so well. So, I don't know, I think it just comes into terms of how you introduce the characters and, I don't know, length length is important because I think... Ben Forstick was only about an hour and 20 minutes versus a usual Marvel film, which is almost like two hours to two hours and 20 minutes. So I think, I don't think they had enough time to really develop the characters the way they wanted to, maybe. Or maybe they were just making the movie to make it. I don't know. Well, Ben Forstick was like, it's not, it's like you're like you saying, like, it's not as bad as, as people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. But it is at the same time because Fan Forstick is like, the first hour that you're up there, like it's like going up the hill for a uh, roller coaster, and then you finally get over that hill, and it's like the ride's over. And it felt like you had built for so long, and then when you finally get to the climax, it's like it's over. Like at the yeah. end, like the Doom was just beat it way too easily. It was like, this is not the way Doom's supposed to be, especially if he's been like harboring in this dimension for you know a year like he would be more powerful mm-hmm. than this yeah like a year to learn everything that he can by himself like with no distractions I'm just sitting there thinking like he wouldn't die that easy come on and they're just now learning to really utilize their powers and there was such like that was another thing was there were these huge like time hops like from when they got their powers and it was like six months later and Reed is here and they're all still locked up and then it goes to like another few months later and all this stuff is happening um I don't know it was just weird the way they they did it because I don't know I just I have mixed feelings about the film like when I first saw it I enjoyed it but then the second time watching it was when I kind of thought like
after Doom gave us a power outage because we were saying so much negative things about yeah, him. Yeah, he heard. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, I, I guess, I guess we learned our lesson. You know, you just never talk bad about Dr. Doom. I, I think I'll agree with um, that. Yeah, so the, uh, the point blank uh, lesson we learned here today is Doom has potential. But let's jump into just talk about some of these trailers that uh, Comic-Con first couple days have given us. Um, first up, we got uh, Kingsman 2, the uh, Golden Circle. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I was a huge, like, when the first one came out, I'm a huge, like, action movie buff. And it was amazing to see such good choreography and effects. It was great. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I I'd agree. I feel like the uh the first trailer or the first film was such a, a treat. Um I, I think a lot of people weren't expecting it. It was very much kind of like a, a John Wick. <laughs> I feel like was another great example is like was a great film that not a lot of people were expecting to like, but I think the the appeal of um this one for so long is that it it's kind of had like this Gold Circle has very had a lot of like mystery around it cuz I feel like um, Secret Service or Servicemen, whatever yeah. the first one was called. Um, <clears throat> you had the comic book based on it, but I don't. I don't think that there is a comic book based on the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this sequel is all original, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and this trailer, I think I'm a little less en- enthused for this one, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like I, I really, really enjoyed the first one, and me and my wife uh, both said it was probably one of the best films that 2015 gave us. But yeah. I feel like for this one, it's um, it almost kind of feels like a, a rehash of of story from the first one, mm-hmm. minus the the building of the Eggsy character. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, like watching the trailer, there were a lot of like, I don't know, it was just. Maybe there wasn't enough for me. Like there were there were really cool action parts that they highlighted that I'm sure I'm you know, gonna enjoy when the film comes out. But am I going to enjoy it as much as the first, or will I enjoy it, you know, less because it's so much like the first? So I'm not entirely sure where they're gonna go because I never read any of the comics either. I didn't know about the film until my sister told me about it because she saw it. She's like, "Hi, have you not seen the Kingsman?" And so she made me watch it, and I was just like, wow, this is really good. And so when I heard they were doing a second one, I was excited. But yeah, I never knew that it followed a comic series until like... And I think if if I remember correctly, the comic series by Mark Lahr was only six issues or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I feel like with uh, the the first one, and this, as even in terms of like the villain... I felt like um, the way that Samuel L. Jackson's villain was written mm-hmm. was so smart and so intelligent. Like, he had, like, such a, a methodical way of thinking. And I feel like with the Julianne Moore character of this one, mm-hmm. it like, I don't get that. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily remember getting that from the, the Secret Service trailers. Right. So I think that this will be interesting to see and. I don't know. It it looks like it's going to be a fun film. I just I don't think it's going to live up to the first film. Right. Like I loved Guardians of the Galaxy 2, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was nearly as good as the first one. Right. 
I actually fell asleep in the theaters. I remember when I went to go see Ooh. Guardians 2. I had just started Third Shift. And, uh, so when we went, it was like, I don't know, probably 8. And I was just so tired that as soon as like the movie kind of started, I started to fall asleep. The next thing you know, I wake up and all this stuff is happening. I'm like, what did I just miss? And so I basically I watched the half hour Marvel movie is what I like. But I have to rewatch it again probably soon. I think they're still showing them in our theaters. Um they're doing like some reshowing because it did so well and so maybe I'll Yeah, I it's it's definitely worth it, um, to to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um I I enjoyed it. Um like like I said, I enjoyed. I feel like the second film definitely has more heart. Um, but and I feel like with kind of like properties like Guardians or Kingsman, um, that these these kind of properties that don't really have like a, a general audience niche, um, that are kind of like you know they appeal to you really like the hardcore Marvel, the hardcore you know Mark Millar films uh, fans. You. You can only do so much with them, and and I loved the first film so much that I, I kind of I want to see more of Eggsy, and I want to see more of this organization. Um, but at the same time, I I think that I think it'll be I don't think it'll be interesting to see if, if it can live up. Um, I feel like the the my biggest complaint about this trailer um, was the ending, uh, where you have the, the guy from Statesman, he was like, manners maketh the man. And then they were like, do you even know what that means? <laughs> and like, that was such a, a vital part of the first film that I felt like for this one, it felt so cheap and forced. Yeah. It was, <laughs> maybe it was just one of those gag moments, you know, like trailer boys that they have like a, a gag at the end. But even, even the Jigsaw character had, or the Jigsaw trailer like a small little goofy part that I don't know trailers do that a lot now. like you know the trailer ends and then they'll do something goofy and then they'll show the release date I'm not sure why I, I mean like I feel like there are certain trailers that can pull that off well mm-hmm. um, like I think John C. Riley in the second trailer for Skull Island is a great example yeah, of that which was amazing uh, yeah, we call them skull curlers. Um, <laughs> but that's that's a great that's a great segue because uh, we are also talking about the the jigsaw trailer. Um, I'm a big saw guy, yeah. so to kind of see this, I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But I'm gonna before I kind of go off on on my likes and dislikes. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this this trailer? It felt weird. Like it just kind of seems like. I don't know. I'm gonna watch it regardless, and just just to see where they go with it. But I don't know. I kind of fell off after. Honestly, I think it was actually the fourth. But I did I did watch the fifth and the sixth, um, and the final chapter, which was the sixth one, right? Um, seventh was the third. Was the last one? Oh yeah, yeah. That one was also a bit brighter in tone. It didn't feel as dark as they usually are. And I don't know what I'm looking for entirely with the series, but I don't know. I'm hoping to just enjoy it, like when I go to watch it, um, just to see, you know, what they do, like what the big reveal is, and who's doing all the killings. Because I know I don't want to spoil it for anybody if that's okay, but 
spoiler alert, because you know they show Lawrence at the end of the final chapter, who was basically running the show behind the scenes uh, from like the second movie all the way up till the end. So I don't know if it's him or if it's a copycat or if it's somehow John didn't die in the third film. I don't know. I, I I'm like one of the, like as much as people hate on the Saw films, they're like there's too many of them, like they're the same film. Yes, but when you look at the storytelling aspect of those films, like you take away all the gruesomeness of it and you focus on the storytelling aspect of mm-hmm. it, there is no film series that is that intricate. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like yes, I I would you know make the argument for you know maybe maybe Halloween. Um, kind of coming in, but I feel yeah. like that that those first seven films really told one big story, mm-hmm. and it to, told one big story that really, um, really that you you kind of didn't see coming, and it was such a simple concept that kind of grew you know bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and I feel like with this trailer, like I was at work when this trailer dropped, and. I I immediately like I stopped what I was doing and I watched this trailer because like that's how much of like a, a fan I am of this series. I think it's probably the smartest, the smartest um, uh, film series outside of Nightmare on Elm Street. Because mm-hmm. um, you know Freddy kind of you know got a little crazy, um, but I feel like this one is is definitely the smartest uh, film series. Um, at least in the horror genre, because you, you there's all so many aspects of this these these films. When you stand back and look at them whole, you're like, man, all of this is is connected. And I felt like after the third film, it's like, how do you end a how do you end a franchise like this? Mm-hmm. And I felt like at the end of the seventh film, I was like, man, I was like, I did not see that. Coming. Yeah, the seventh film, like, man, that took me by surprise because I remember I actually went to theaters to watch it because everybody was like, we gotta see it in 3D, and I'm like, okay, I'll go. And I really enjoyed it. And then up until the end, I looked and everybody else, like, you know, that was, that were watching for some reason didn't remember Lawrence, but I did. And I was like, oh my God, that's the guy from the first film. And they're like, what? And then it goes through like the yeah, whole thing. It's like a plot twist. Yeah. And then, and then it goes through like the whole thing. Like he did the little eye thing for the guy in the intro of the second film and all the weird surgery things that no normal person could do. And I'm like, it makes sense this was a good franchise and yeah yeah that, that basically sold me I, I probably rewatched that one a few times too just because like I was so my heart just like dropped because I remember like thinking like I really hope that Lawrence goes back and finds Adam but you know Adam dies in the bathroom and it, it breaks my heart because I felt bad for that guy but man yeah <laughs> It just, but yeah, like you were saying, you know, like the story is really where it's at. And like, even though, you know, there's, you know, a couple that I didn't really enjoy as much, but that story was still there so much so that I remember these characters and their names because it's just, it blows your mind throughout, you know, like the second one had that huge twist where it was recording the whole time. And then the first one, you know, the body in the center of the room was alive the whole time. So, between that and just really good development, I think I think the Saw series is really good. I think hopefully Jigsaw will be a good, I don't know, maybe it'll be a revival or maybe it'll just be, you know, a one-shot thing, but I'd be very interested to see what they do with it. 
I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do about it because I feel like Saw has really been like the last like good independent uh, kind of horror yeah. that we've gotten, and this trailer was perfect because you you know like I love the taglines like you know his name you know his voice mm-hmm. um, and and like the imagery and like the music in this like. I feel like the music in this was like perfect because it it didn't seem like it went to the trailer, but they pulled it off and like it was creepy and it was just like it was bizarre and that was the that was the glorious thing about the Saw franchise is that it doesn't always fit, but it works at the same time and I think that this uh this franchise. I won't say this probably could be the the uh, the best horror film of 2017 mm-hmm. because Get Out set the bar so high. Um, <laughs> but I I feel like this this film definitely could be uh, just mind blowingly amazing. And I think mm-hmm. that um, you know we're kind of like in a season right now like where we're kind of bringing back like nostalgic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been what like. Uh, the first film came out in 2017. So it's been like four or five years since we, we've seen mm-hmm. Saul. And I think that this is a, a good kind of return form. Yeah. I think that this is uh, this film is going to just – I'm hoping it'll, it'll start – kickstart maybe another like three films. Yeah. And we'll get like, you know, ten films in full. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I remember when the first Saul came out, I was, I was a lot younger. I was probably – I think I was nine when it came out and I was terrified when I first saw it and we, we love horror films like growing up and you know we were usually used to slasher films um, you know Friday the 13th and Halloween and then the occasional Slaughterhouse films but man Saw was just different and between that and the creepy pig mask like I never looked at pigs the same way again I would like I would I would see pork on my plate. I'm like, what if that guy comes out of my closet and tries to put me to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> that was just like the biggest thing for me. And I wasn't supposed to watch them when we were younger. And since then, my eyes used to just like trick me at night. And oh my gosh. With that first film, just for what it was, and, you know, with such a low budget and what they were able to turn it into, like, it's really cool that they were able to build a a very recognizable franchise. And I think Jigsaw would be a good introduction for maybe even new people who haven't watched Saw or had a chance to. Yeah, that's that's definitely my hope is that uh, kind of like almost a new generation is going to get introduced to this to this person. Um, and I, I feel like I just I feel like this this and even this franchise is is really kind of brought in. Um, you know, kind of like good talent um you know carrie carrie Ells mm-hmm. uh is if you guys don't know who that is uh robin hood men and uh, man and tights um he did princess bride mm-hmm. um you also had danny glover in this franchise um not to mention uh the other Wahlberg brother donnie yeah uh from new kids on the block and, and so i feel like that this this franchise has just while it is not it's not always like the the most known of the, them. I feel like this one's definitely going to be, and I'm, I'm I have high hopes for Jigsaw. It's definitely one of my most anticipated films of this year. Yeah, I definitely. 
I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm probably gonna end up going to the theaters and watch it too, just because I need a good horror film. You know, like Get Out was really good. Like it was something I needed. And a lot of uh, the horror films I watch nowadays are usually foreign because I don't know. I'm not really phased anymore by American horror. Maybe it's just me, but they've kind of milked this paranormal thing for so long since Paranormal Activity came. Yes. And it just kind of threw me off, so I just kind of gave up and just went to watch foreign stuff. And oh my gosh, there's such weird stuff out there. I just watched uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man. It's like an older Japanese horror film. It's really weird and just eerie, and it kind of doesn't leave your head after you watch it. Um, but yeah, I just I want a good horror film to watch, something that that'll make me scared to sleep at nights. <laughs> They, uh, they are far and few between, and uh, Weird is such a, a great jumping-off point to the next trailer we're talking about. Talking about this little, uh, in the in the mess of all these big announcements from Comic-Con, we didn't want to leave out this guy, especially I didn't want to leave him out, so we're mm-hmm. talking about this film called Brigsby Bear. And I'm not even really sure how to describe this film, except the fact that it has a pretty impressive cast to mm-hmm. it. Um, Kyle Mooney, uh, Mark Mark Hamill, yeah. um, and then there's a couple others. But uh, this trailer dropped, uh, I think Tuesday. Uh, let's talk about this one and why people should know this film. Mm-hmm. Like I, I watched the trailer when you sent it to me because I didn't even know much about it, and I still kind of don't. It just it seems very interesting. I don't know how to explain it, but I watched the trailer like five times over just because I try to like process what was going on, and. It just, I want to watch it so bad because it looks, I don't know if it's going to be fun or if it's going to be like, well, it looks fun, like the few parts that they showed and then, but it also looks like this guy is going through something and I just, I don't know, I need to watch it is basically what I'm saying. There's always those trailers that just kind of like, it gives you enough to be interested and it's not giving away too much. It's just telling you, this is what we're doing. You should watch this. And I don't know. It just looks so cool. I want to know your take on it. Like, it 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 almost kind of reminds me of the the Beaver. Um, a couple of years ago, there was an independent <laughs> film with Mel Gibson and Jodie Jodie Foster that not a lot of people have seen. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, uh, and you have Netflix, I highly recommend it. It's a bizarre, great take on mental health, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much the the story of this guy that. I don't want to say he loses his mind, but he goes through this midlife crisis, and he reverts to talking um, through a beaver puppet, and that was kind of the the take that I got from this one. I feel like the imagery... they This was the second trailer that I had seen for it. Um, the first one was about half the time, and it was literally it was just music and imagery, mm-hmm. and like the music and the imagery sold me on like it kind of like the first trailer kind of gave it this kind of like beaver meets like 10 cloverfield lane kind of feel to it Mm -hmm. like it was kind of like the end of the world and almost kind of like oh people uh furries are taking over and i I definitely feel like with the second trailer uh, this trailer that we're talking about now Mm -hmm. it gives more of the plot and it it almost kind of seems like you have this younger kind of guy that really maybe doesn't understand the world so he's kind of like reverted back to um this simpler time Mm -hmm. in his life or maybe he's had this like kind of tragedy where um you know he you know he just escapes to this you know brigsby bear character Mm -hmm. 
And there's even a scene where he's kind of sitting in therapy and he's like, I just wanted to see the new episode of Brigsby. And he's like, you know, there was a new episode. So it almost kind of seems like this guy's kind of like stuck mentally in this like time. Yeah. And I'm a nostalgic guy. So like, I, I love like, while like, I love reading like all like the, the, you know, the new comics and the new films that come out, like a good bit of the things that like I read and I watch are, and even listen to are, definitely from like the 90s and that era mm-hmm. um so i definitely feel like I, I can relate to this character but just the imagery i feel like in this film yeah um was just so bizarre and like yet so fitting at the same time yeah like it, it really attracted my eye to it that's why i had to rewatch it a few times just because it's something i just want to lock in there that i don't want to forget about this is really something i need to look into and yeah like you said like the cast looks really good the trailer looked great, and the whole premise just really seems interesting. I just want to see where it goes. Like, I feel like it's going to be a, an emotional drive because any any film that kind of has a take on uh, any mental disability, I think, always has like those tear jerk moments where you know you want to help this person so bad, but you can't do anything because you're just you know you're the watcher, and it's just. It looks exciting. I think I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, I I definitely think it's gonna be a good one. Um, because I, I and and I'm I'm always like really curious about like uh, comedians that kind of go off and do drama. Like I always feel like those are kind of like really intriguing films to me because mm-hmm. that's out of their their ballpark. Um, and I you know you have examples like you know Jim Carrey doing the Truman Show or like yeah. Eternal. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Adam Sandler doing, you know, Punch Drunk Love, Spanglish, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of, you know, name like, you know, a few mainstream ones. And I feel like uh, Kyle Mooney, if you, uh, I know like uh, there are, the current season of like Saturday Night Live is like very hit or miss with people. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife, we love it. Uh, Kyle Mooney is probably one of my favorite uh, actors that's on there. Yeah. Because uh, my favorite actor that, it was on there. He left, um, but I feel like with uh, with those with him, not only knowing that he also wrote this film, but kind of getting to see him kind of go off and do something. I feel like this. Um, while I do feel like it's going to fall under a lot of people's radars, I feel like this is going to be a, a beautiful film, and uh, this is just going to be a film that you know needs to needs to be seen and and you know really needs to be experienced i think that's going to be the, the thing that i'm excited to see yeah i totally agree like especially comedians i feel do the greatest dramatic roles because like what you were talking about like the truman show i just saw that last year and i still can't get it out of my head just because like with i don't know like the music on top of just like the idea of everybody having their eyes on you it just like felt it made me feel so uncomfortable and I don't know like it didn't hit him until like he was in his 30s you know because the the set piece fell like by his feet and man just it was really cool to see Jim Carrey do dramatic acting because he's really good at it there's a bunch of comedians who who do like small indie films I think Steve Carell does quite a few and I can't remember her name but she was She's usually like in a lot of like SNL casted stuff as far as like the films and stuff. She was in Anchorman Two. She played as Steve Carell's love interest. I just can't think of her name. 
Oh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, yeah. She's done a lot of other like small budget indie films that are really weird, but she's such a good actress. And I don't know. Maybe it's I don't. A lot of comedians are just really good at it. But that's just something I wanted to get at because I just realized that, um, you know, some of my favorite comedians have done like these really good roles. Like even Eddie Murphy just recently did Mr. Church, and I don't know, which I think was also an indie film. I might be wrong. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was man, that was really good. But I'm really excited for Briggsy Bear because I never knew anything about it, and just now seeing the trailer, it's something that's definitely in my interest, like as of now. Yeah, and I think that um, I, I just I think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to be something that's going to be unique and weird and. Speaking of unique and weird, our last trailer to talk about is the Netflix film Bright. Yes. I've been waiting. Man. I've been waiting for a trailer for it because I've seen you know, the small snippet that they showed. Man, it was totally different from what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like an actual cop show, kind of like End of Watch, which ironically is directed by the same people they said. Um the same writers, I think, one or the other. But, uh, because that movie Detroit that's coming out with John Boyega and, uh, a couple other actors, I can't think of the guy for Meet the Millers. Anthony Mackie. Yeah. And it got me interested, so I was like, oh, they're gonna do another kind of movie like this for Netflix? But then they showed this trailer, and it was totally different from what I thought it was gonna be. And I'm definitely interested because it's like one of the weirdest things that I've seen as far as like, especially for like makeup and visual effects on Netflix. This is something different. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to say about it. I'm excited, but I'm also just interested mostly because I was already, I'm, I'm a huge Will Smith fan. I grew up on his music and Fresh Prince. So this is, this is just something new. It kind of reminded me of iRobot for some reason. I don't know why. I think it was just the way he interacts with everybody around him. It's kind of the same way he did towards the robots in iRobot, but it might just be me. Well, I feel like this this film was this trailer is definitely nothing what I expected. Like I kind of expected it, but I kind of didn't because the guy that wrote uh, Bright actually wrote um, American Ultra. If you've ever seen that, yeah. um, with. Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. and Chronicle. Um, Max Landis is one of the most unique writers in Hollywood today. Mm-hmm. And he just, I feel like every film he does, it's so weird, but it's so challenging at the same time. Cause it's like, you look at where he, um, where he kind of also has gone. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, this film's totally different than that. And that, I, I feel like that's just great writing right there. Um, and this film definitely looks visually beautiful, <laughs> um, and I, I just kind of thought it was—it's—it's it's really funny because um, obviously the trailer opens up on Will Smith walking out to uh, trying to flick away like <laughs> an imp, um, which was which was pretty funny, and um, you know. It's funny because, like, you think like twenty years ago, it was it was Fresh Prince, you know, Will Smith, you know, crashing into yeah. Uncle Phil, and now it's almost kind of like the, the the that like one scene is kind of like it's flipped, you know. I'm not trying to sell my house or anything. Like, I I thought that was hilarious. Um, 
But I, I think that this is just uh, and you can't go wrong with this. And Joel Edgerton, um, the guy who, who plays his partner, yeah. Um, I obviously you can't even recognize yeah. him, but he's just one of the most <laughs> diverse actors, um, working in Hollywood today. I got introduced to him through uh, Black Mass, which is fantastically, fantastically underrated film. Um. But at the same time, like, he's also, you know, gone off and done things like The Gift. Um, uh, he did one this past year that I really wanted to see called uh, uh, Loving, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the true story of, you know, uh, a white man and a uh, black woman that fell in love yeah. and, uh, during the time of segregation. So he he's definitely, like, he just has, like, such a good, like, range as far as an actor. So I feel like mm-hmm. putting him up with a, a talent like... Will Smith, and you're having, um, you know, writing from Max Landis and directing from a director as strong as David Ayer. Mm-hmm. Like, this film probably could could be put in theaters and still um, make a good, decent amount of money, but we're in the streaming age now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I think it's cool, and I think it's cool, like, when films like this come to Netflix, because, like, I don't have to, like, go out. Like, I can, like, literally just shut all my everything and just... Um, you know, watch it, and I feel like Bright is definitely going to be a film that, like, watching it, like I watching the trailer and just watching some of the, like the action sequences, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I was like, I just totally just see me watching this like over and over <laughs> and over again. I can definitely get that from it too. Just like it really wasn't what I was expecting, and I was just expecting you know, an average cop story, but this is something very different and very. Oh, it's very surreal, but it's also just interesting. Like I want to see where it goes, and man, and coming from Netflix, like you, like you, you know, you said we're in a streaming age now, and I think Hulu, Netflix, Amazon—they've been able to bring out these really cool exclusives, and you know, very, very high quality. Uh, I can't really think of work for some reason. I just had a brain fart, but you know, their films and whatnot, uh, whether. Uh, it's indie or low budget or some of them are really you know high budget you know this one just seemed very big and it shows potential for Netflix to even just branch off being its own thing you know it doesn't need big movie theaters it can just do this and they have the right resources to do everything at least and plus they're making a lot (laughs) yeah and and I don't know like there's just this film just looks um it looks fun and it looks intense and i feel like at the same time like this is going to be a film that the mythology and the world that it's set in i want to see more yeah um i definitely got that from it like i just i didn't want this just to be a movie like i i want to i want there to be like a comic series based on this like i I want to I feel like I'm gonna really like these characters enough to where I, I want to see more of you know this world and hopefully you know they they do more films or you know they do like you know like a spinoff uh, TV show that is set in this universe mm-hmm. um, because I feel like the the world of you know man and orcs and imps and uh, you know fairies just kind of all really coexisting like. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was like when they found the uh the the wand 
Um, I was like, man, I was like, this is going to be such a, a lame movie now. And then you you see the potential of what this film's going to be, and you're like, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, and I, I think it's really cool because I never thought of you know, orcs and some fairies and all that living in modern time. I always just kind of saw it in either a cyberpunk setting or mostly medieval, of course, you know, video games or old books and stuff. So this is this is going to be really interesting just to see like how everything works you know will it kind of be how we see things in america you know like there's race classes and there's culture stuff that you can't offend or do things to just little little gags like that i think would be fun but the film i think it'll be something i'm looking forward to definitely yeah and i think um I was reading some of the comments on like the it was either the Facebook trailer or the YouTube trailer, but they were talking about how like this is also like a great platform because um, uh, it looks like they're they're gonna explore themes of racism in this film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be kind of like hidden. I don't think it'll be as obvious as Get Out. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like at the same time, this is gonna be a, a fun and interesting film. Mm-hmm. And something else that is going to be uh, fun and interesting as well is uh, Hope, if you guys are listening to this right now and you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, please do not uh, hesitate to to reach out because suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It takes 121 suicide uh, deaths a day. Um, And for every successful suicide that exists, there have been 3,025 more that have been attempted. And by the end of the year, it's going to uh, boast 44,193 suicides with uh, successfully with another 1.1 1. 1, uh, su- uh, suicides that have been attempted. Um, so every and just to kind of like put it on like an international scope, every 40 seconds, someone somewhere is taking their lives. So please do not under any circumstances uh, think that your life is invaluable because I promise you that it is everyone that struggles behind the scenes with this, uh, has, has struggled, uh, behind the scenes with this show. Uh, we, we've overcome depression. We've overcome suicide. We've overcome addiction, self-harm. We believe and know the same for you. So if you or someone, you know, is struggling, please have them reach out to us because we'd love to be a listening ear, a friend in need and, or just even a bridge to, uh, a counselor or a church anywhere that we believe and know that you can uh, have hope and that can have breakthrough and overcome this. Uh, so you guys can reach out to us at facebook.com slash victims and villains or victims and villains.net slash contact. Or you guys can also call anonymously to set, uh, 1-800-273-8255 or text anonymously as well to 741-741. And someone would love to uh, get out with you guys. But that is going to do it for us hanging out with Ladarius and talking all of the Comic-Con goodness. Be on the lookout for Remy's Squad. Until Remy's Squad comes out, where can people find you and where can people find the art for this beautiful project? Right, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Cartoons. That's C-A-R-T-O-F Tunes. Uh, that's mostly where my art portfolio is on top of Remy's Squad content. So be on the lookout, hopefully sometime later this year, maybe early next year, I'll have more to show. Um, I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Remy Squad book, where you can also buy t-shirts. There's a couple of designs I have up at the moment. And so far, that's about it. And yeah, I appreciate you for having me on the show, my dude. And definitely, uh, 
keep in close contact because I'd love to be, you know, a frequent guest if that's possible. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely have you on on again. Like we said, we're 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 working stuff out with a Chris Farley episode with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so all really excited about that and the rest. But we're not done with Comic Con just yet. On the other side of the Hope Universe, we will be talking more things Comic Con. And uh, so thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, uh, all roads lead to hope. We'll be back on the other side of the Hope Universe. So this week for Hope Speaks Louder, we had originally uh, planned on continuing our uh, series into uh, eating disorders. All roads lead to hope, as we've been really spending a lot of time. Uh, focusing on this week and uh, do just do do some scheduling conflicts with the guests that we had lined up for uh, this week. Uh, we just had kind of felt like it was better to uh, pay tribute uh, to Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park um, uh, to say that he was a influence and just a, a big part of the childhood of almost everyone involved with uh, victims and villains reborn and remembered in the PS Midnight cast is, is an understatement. Uh, just even, uh, we, we spent so, so much of last week just, just really talking about him. And, um, so we, we really just wanted to pay, pay honor to, to him for this week. And, uh, to really emphasize the fact that if someone is listening to this right now and they are struggling, that that please uh, reach out and get help. And so what we're going to be doing is um, I'm going to briefly share uh, some of my memories of him and then um, interwoven out throughout here is going to be uh, some tributes as well. Uh, for me, uh, personally, I kind of didn't really know who Linkin Park was till 2003. Um, I'd heard a little bit about uh, Hybrid Theory and and heard Paper Cut and One Step Closer and for me at that time it really wasn't my cup of music and when Meteorite had come out it was slowly starting to become the genre of music that I was chasing after and I just remember uh, listening to Meteorite for hours among hours among hours and that was just really the album that had kind of really set me on the path to, to really follow them as a band and really kind of pay attention to what they do. And I think one of the best things that they ever done that's highly underrated was their uh, MTV collaboration album with Jay-Z. It's still, to this day, one of my favorite records to pop on from, from time to time. And so... Uh, Chester, um, I mean, it's it's devastating to to kind of hear uh, the the news, but our thoughts and our our prayers go out to his, his family. And Linkin Park released this statement. It says, "Quote, dear Chester, our hearts are broken. The shockwaves of grief and denial are still sweeping throughout through our family as we come to grips with what has happened. And you touched so many lives." Maybe even more than you realized. And in the past few days, we have had, we've been seeing an outpouring of love and support, both private and public, from around the world. To Linda 
and the family appreciate it and want the world to know that you were the best husband, father, and son. The family will, the family will never be the same. The family will never be whole without you. Talking with you about the, about the years ahead together, your excitement was infectious. Your absence leaves a void that can never be filled. A boisterous, funny, ambitious, funny, I'm sorry, ambitious, creative, kind, generous voice in the room is missing. We're trying to remind ourselves that the demons who took you away from us were a part of the deal. After all, it was the way you sang about those demons that made everyone fall in love with you in the first place. You fearlessly put them on display and in doing so brought us together and taught us to be more more human. You had the hardest, biggest heart and managed to wear it on your sleeve. Our love for making and performing music is intoxic, is extinguishable. While we don't know what path the future may take, we know that each of our lives was better by you. Thank you for your gift. We love you and we miss you so much. And until we meet you again, Lincoln Park. And Lincoln, uh, if you actually go to Chester.LincolnPark.com, um, they've really, really turned this into a memorial portion of their website. With at the same time, also letting people know that if they there is someone that is listening to their music that they are recommended to reach out and get help and we at victims and villains cannot help but feel just blown away and and just just so in in all of respect for that statement um and and last weekend we had the chance of allowing the girls over at pretty on pitch to take over our social media and um, we're going to transition into their memorial for Chester. I've become so numb, I can't feel you there. Become so tired, so much more unaware by becoming there. All I want to do is be more like me and be less like you. Thank you, ladies. And with that, they also wrote, quote, Chester inspired us. And the weight of his loss is greatly felt by all of us music lovers. If you are struggling with depression, thoughts of suicide, please reach out for hope. I'm sorry, for help. And know that you are not alone. And then they gave the national, uh, the national suicide prevention hotline, uh, like we do every episode. And, uh, they are not alone. Uh, his wife has also given a statement right here as well. Uh, she says, quote, One week ago, I lost my soulmate. My children lost their hero, their daddy. We had a fairy tale life. And now it has become into a sick Shakespearean tragedy. How do I move on? How do I pick up my shattered soul? The only answer I know is to raise my babies with every ounce of love I have. I want to let my community know and the fans worldwide know that we feel your love we feel your loss as well my babies are so young to have lost their daddy and I know that all of you will help keep 
his memory alive. He was a bright, loving soul with an angel's voice. And now he is pain-free singing his songs in all of our hearts. May God bless us all and know and help us turn to one another when we are in pain. Chester would have wanted us to do so. Rest in peace, my love. Always, Mrs. Talinda Bennington. End quote. So just some of the things that, that she talks about in this, this statement that she issues. Um, uh, just just about, you know, turning to one another in love, or turning to one another in, that when, you, when you're in pain, that is the that is the heartbeat of our show, and that is what we believe helps diverse tragedies like this is opening up. And I, I'm going to be the first to tell you that it is scary, and it's going to be that way. Um, and it's 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 like power that's over you. But the more that you speak up, and the more that you talk about it, the less power it has over you. So if you're someone you know is listening to this right now, you're struggling with suicide, please reach out. Suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in the United States. It takes 121 suicides daily, and just because you're you have name recognition doesn't mean that you're safe from its touch. Please reach out. Your life is worth living. It's it's worth laughing, and it's worth loving. We're leaving you guys this week with our very own Dakota Cade's tribute to Lake Park. Careful wrong that I've done Help me leave behind some reason to be missed And don't resent me And when you're feeling empty Keep me in your memory Believe out all the rest Believe out all the rest Forgetting all the hurt inside you've learned to hide so well Pretending someone else can come and save me from myself I can't be who you are I can't be who you are Welcome back to Victims and Villains. We're still hanging out, still talking hope, still talking some nerd, and continuing our Comic-Con coverage for this week. Uh, just so excited about some of the things that came out of Hall H this past weekend, and thanks to Ladarius Livingston for hanging out with us. But we're welcoming an old friend back to the show. Please help me in welcoming Crazy Monkey Inc. CEO, Old Raz. What's up, bro? Oh, Raz in the house again. Go call it a comeback. Josh Berkey in the house. We came up. Oh, Raz, Crazy Monkey Inc. How's it going, brother? Oh, man. It's, it's going good. And I'm I'm really intrigued to, to talk to you, man, because I'm seeing artwork pop up from Crazy Monkey Inc. And I'm ready to talk about some of the projects that you guys got coming out. So uh, I, I want to jump into, I think, one of the, the ones that has me most excited for December. Let's talk about Zodiac real fast, man. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Zodiac is great. It's from a, a new uh, artist creator. Her name is Tam, and it is the first manga anime inspired title from Crazy Monkey Inc. And it's a really cool 
uh, I, it has that sort of infinity gauntlet style storytelling to it, right? But uh, that's just a, a, a loose translation to give you an idea of what's going on. There's the Zodiac Stones, they're out there, and there's a group of kids that come together to get them. And of course, adventure ensues. Um, I'm really excited about it. There's not too much more I can give away at this time. Uh, I put out a five-page preview. Uh, the the artist and creator is working on the second issue as we as we speak right now. So hopefully, uh, I, I read some of it, but I, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't read the whole book yet. Like I said, we're just getting this in. I'm just getting everything in. It's a it's a new book we just signed. So as you've seen from the artwork, it's great. It's it's really great. It's another one of our family-friendly titles, and uh, I'm excited to hear from it. So we'll talk again soon in a couple of months, and I'll give you a little more deets on that. But it's a great project, and just like you said, the art's fantastic. Yeah, it is, and I have yet to actually – I didn't actually know that you guys had actually put out the five-issue – like the five-page preview, so I'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, just sort of some of the artwork I've seen, like I can definitely feel like that manga anime influence that um, – and just like the like the very brief description, just the way you're describing it, it, definitely does sound like it has that Infinity Gauntlet feel to it. Um, so I'm excited for that. And that's not the only kids-friendly book that you guys have coming out. Uh, you guys also have Monsters on the Run for Mr. Mark Snow, who we had on a couple weeks back. Um, yes. Thanks for making that happen, by the way. Oh, my, my pleasure. I, that's another book that I am super excited. You know, the... These new books we have coming out, these artists and creators, Mark Swan is the creator, writer, artist, anchor, letterist of Monster on the Run. So it is a real self-contained uh, 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 epic tale from one man's vision. And that's the same thing with Tam and Zodiac. She does the writing, the creating, the art, the colors, the lettering, a one-stop shop. And the real cool thing I've noticed about that is when you have a creator that is solely working on that book itself, they, they're able to put so much in there and it's go going through absolutely zero filters. So uh, these, both of these books are, are grand epic tales that are, are meant – these tales are told over a, a few issues, man, and I like that. The, these books are going to be – we're looking at four books a year. And each one of those books should be book-ended, should, at the end of the year, should be able to crunch into a graphic novel in chapters. So every year, you're collecting the books, and then if you want to get the graphic novels after that, please do. You know, or so, I've heard a lot of people, here's the thing I figured out with comic books lately, Josh, and tell me if I'm wrong here. Go for it. There's two camps. There are the old-school monthly readers that like getting individual serialized stories and getting this followed issues and continuing the adventure. And then there's this new crop where they'll like a book or they'll like a title, but they'll end up waiting for the collected graphic novel edition, and they'll just scoop that up instead. You know, so uh, I, I have found from the publisher end of view, I like having creators that they have long-term visions where it's not just kind of – I love – I, I love creators that do the one-shot stories too. I, I, I don't get me wrong. Two issues, four issues, all that's great. But when you have someone that's got a, a, a long-term vision that you can go with, that excites me. You know, I, I think of I don't know if you remember this. There's a guy named Jeff Smith that did a serial called Bone. Yeah. It was a comic book, 
that thing was amazing and it, it did they did have some self-contained stories and, and there, there weren't necessarily certain amounts of like there were two issue arcs three issue arcs four issue arcs but there was a longer grander epic story to be told in total you get what I'm saying and that right there is what I see from both Mark Swan and Tam and I'm just excited that they uh, decided to go with Crazy Monkey Inc. as a publisher because it, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. And I've noticed that our expansion of our all-ages line is really getting solid. You know, uh, next month, August, sees the debut of Darum number 3 from Jared Gifford, who was kind of, yeah, that that was the, the beginning of the all-ages line right there. And his books are just getting better and stronger. Uh, Gaspar Orico takes over the art chores with this book. And, man, it gets... It gets dark and gritty in that family fun Star Wars Empire that Strikes Back that's way. Awesome. You get what yeah, I'm saying? That's awesome. It, I, I really like the direction it's going. And then with the addition of Monsters on the Run, with the addition of Zodiac, it, and the addition of Five Star, which I'm just going to drop that right now. We'll pick this up at another time, but coming soon, Tony Clapper's Five Star, Crazy Money Inc.'s first official superhero comic book. And I, I really love where we're going with that, too. So you, you, you're right, Josh. we got a lot of good things on the way, man. Not to mention Midnight's Avenger coming out. Not to mention Death Squad Zero, Two, and Three, the three issue series finishing up this year. Uh, this end of this month, we'll see Death Squad Zero Two coming out. Uh, September, we'll see Death Squad Zero Number Three. Uh, November, we'll see Chaos God of Gore nice. Number One, and we, we officially leave Kid Central at that point, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen some of the artwork for for Chaos, and and I know Gary's heart, and so. Um, knowing that guy and and seeing what he's gonna be able to do with chaos, I'm I'm excited for that. That one I think it might be my most anticipated project from Crazy Monkey Inc. Oh man, it, it's great. And let me tell you this: uh, Gary wrote a great script, but Mariano, the art artist on this, he has a his style. It's it's gritty and animated at the same time. I I don't know. How how to explain it other than that? It's it's got this this uh, dark grit to it, but he uses heavy blacks in his in his in his work. Uh, he doesn't hatch it to death, but he uses enough hatchwork to give it a real stylization to it that I that I enjoy. And uh, with the type of story that Gary's telling, Mariano just he knocks it off. Uh, the first issue we have colored by a guy uh, Prime built to last, and he took that that same type of animated gritty style and colored it in that way it's, it's it's really beautiful it's a beautiful book and and aside from that we finished the two issue series from Gary so the second issue is currently going to go in the lettering I mean the coloring stage so we're going to get that ready for this year but Gary did another book coming out and man just here's another thing I'm just going to drop it here we'll pick it up later but uh, he did a, a our first horror release is going to be from Gary and it's called Oh my gosh. <laughs> What's the name of that book, Gary? Oh my gosh. Do you remember? Okay, to be continued, just let me say the artist we have working on this book, Gary has been blessed with Crazy Monkey Inc. because his scripts that he gives up to me, the artists I put on those books, those titles, are they just work so good with the theme of his. Oh my gosh, Josh Berkey. The name of this book is called. I don't know. I I remember seeing the teaser for it. 
uh, like the, yeah. the bloody bloody handprint on it, and it said coming soon. Yeah. I got to remember it. And I was like, I'm 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 immediately sold. Um, on yes. this. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, as we talk, I'm going to see if I can find something on it. Why can I not remember this tie right now, Josh? Could I don't know. Um, dang it. Well, let's just say it's it's, it's a it's going to be exciting when it's when it comes out. Oh, Children of the Tar. Okay. Yeah. Children of the Tar, bro. Salvo mascot is the artist on this. It the, the 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 it's a period tale that takes place, I believe, in the fifties or the sixties. The the art it has such a Friday the Thirteenth vibe to it. I mean, I I cannot stress enough that he hit the the genre right on the head. And and the coloring I want to do with this, it's going to be a, a minimalist style to go with it. And you're we're gonna see. Big things from Gary in the last 2017, the beginning of 2018. So I, 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 I'm excited. Every time I talk to you, I'm always excited about things we have going on, and it, it just that trend continues to grow. Every time we get done with some projects, the next wave of projects come in, and they are just better and they're stronger, and the writing teams get stronger, and the art teams get stronger. And it's just say, man, check us out. Crazy Monkey Inc., man. Go to the Facebook page. Check out our web page. They'll just take you to our Indo Planet page, and we've got some good stuff coming out. And you guys actually have, like, a, a bit of a unique... I love the character design for this guy, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but Cannabis Man, is that it? Oh, yes. Did... Yes. That, that is, there you have Cannabis Man, which is part of our Cannabis line that we're coming up. Um, that right there... He is a character made from a, a cannabis advocate named Christopher Hughes. Uh, this guy is stationed in Florida. Uh, he's a really big advocate about the health benefits of uh, ca- cannabis, uh, how it h- helps PTSD, how it helps uh, a, a, a bunch of different uh, ailments for kids that he specializes in as well, that the cannabis oil. And uh, he's a huge real advocate. And he goes around – this man goes around – talking about the benefits of cannabis and, and how it can help soldiers, how it can help children, how it can help the elderly. He's very passionate about it. And uh, he wanted us to design a costume for it because he saw the work Crazy Monkey did for uh, Lewis Davidson's Captain Cannabis and uh, Cosmic Crusaders, which is also coming out in September. And uh, that will be the debut of first book from our Cannabis line. So uh, Christopher saw the work that we did and he wanted us to help him design uh, his character, which, as you saw, is, is visually stunning. Oh, yeah. I think we, we, just, we just knocked it out. And uh, one of the things about Christopher is he's, he has such a genuine uh, heart for wanting to help people and, and for wanting to enlighten them and, and educate them with, with the benefits that uh, his character that I made, that I, I visualized, I, I already had a story straight from Christopher Hughes' own personal adventures where he's going down to these hospitals, he's talking to kids, he's talking to veterans, he's he, he's trying to put in the work. So uh, I imagine a world where we could take that can- that character that we designed and tell his true life tales but in a more exaggerated superhero world. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? So uh, I see a, a cannabis man actually going down to hospitals and genuinely using the powers of THC and CBD to genuinely heal the sick uh, along with dispensing uh, important information that might enlighten people that are still ignorant to the, the genuine benefits of this uh, 
beautiful plant, you know. So I that design it came from a good place. The, the character came from a good heart, and through that came an actual uh, superhero based on a real life hero that we're going to go ahead and put out. So that will be coming in 2018, uh, and September will be Captain Cannabis and the Cosmic Crusaders, and then of course the final uh, Cannabis title we're looking at the last quarter of 2018 will be Mucha Mucha Mota and his High Adventures crew. So <laughs> be on the lookout for that. And, it, and it's really all it's about is educating, enlightening, and entertaining people with uh, the benefits that can be are there for cannabis. It it sounds like that. That's like I don't know. Like I, I'm not I'm not into that kind of stuff. So like for me, like I I I come from like a, a family that was almost torn apart by drugs. Um, right. So like. Like the design interest to me, but now now hearing like the heart behind it and and like hearing the concept behind it, like I I'm now intrigued. Like I want to pick up and and read Cannabis Man, and it sounds like it's um I I would love to have that guy on on our show just to like oh talk to him and 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 see his heart behind that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That that's one of the things I definitely want to do and. You gotta have Tam on this show for Zodiac because, like you said, uh, that's a, that's a really cool concept. Uh, she's a very creative writer, and she's the one that's helping me. I I, I asked for promos to put up so we can kind of get the attention out there. I asked her to do little blurbs, and all those little blurbs are are her writing. I I, I just love it. I think uh, if you guys get the chance, get her on the show. She'll fill your ear with some exciting stuff about Zodiac that I think will really get the, the people excited. We'll talk after after recording. We'll talk. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but let's jump in and talk some Comic Con news. Absolutely. I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on the show to talk about Comic Con than Mister Ramirez. Um, hey. So the DCEU uh, dropped. Uh, we're gonna be talking a whole bunch of things, and DCEU kind of announced their slate of next coming films: Aquaman, Shazam, Suicide Squad Two, Wonder Woman Two, The Batman, Justice League Dark, Batgirl, oh. Green Lantern oh. Corps, and yeah. and Flashpoint, and Wonder Woman Two. Did you hear? Did you hear Jeffrey Dean Morgan is looked at to be playing Batman in Flashpoint? Yes. Basically playing Bruce Wayne's fault. Bro, did did you have a nerdgasm when you heard that or what? We have been saying that at a, in our camp is like just been saying that like he needs to be Batman ever since he was in the the opening scene for BVS. Oh man. Um <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on getting all these movies over the next I'm probably guessing 5 years would be the the launch point for all these things? Well, you know, let me put it to you this way, man. We, we, we've been having this talk about the DC cinematic universe, and there's been people that they do like it, they don't like it. Everyone has these certain opinions that you kind of feel like they're generated based on Marvel films, or they're generated based on uh, what they're expecting or anticipation, right? And it's a lot harder to get solid fan reaction because I think some people are just looking for things to complain or, you know... I don't know if you saw that San Diego Comic-Con official trailer for Justice League, but oh my gosh. I I watched it five times in a row. Josh, the tears, <laughs> I, I couldn't stop them. You, you understand what I'm saying? I, I, it, well, I wasn't trying to make them happen. I, they hit 
every beat perfectly. Anybody that was hating on Batman versus Superman, for me, unwarranted, but there are people that hate it. Anybody that was hating on uh, Man of Steel, uh, which I think was unwarranted, but some people did, you know, there's no one. I, I want to see the ice cold bastard that sat through that Justice League trailer for San Diego Comic Con and didn't feel like that's Justice League. I have got to see it. When Flash was telling people he didn't fight, he just kind of pushes people <laughs> and runs away. My lord. My lord. Like, to a T. You get what I'm yes. saying? They, they just, the way they introduced those little, oh man, freaking Arthur Curry flying down with that guy, crashing through the building, jumping out of the building, doing that little, who's bad, hair wave as he walks out. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just hit every beat perfectly, and I anticipate the movie living up to that hype. I, 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 I am on board with DCEU. Every movie that you said in their upcoming slate, I am genuinely excited about. I think DC went through the growing pains. I think DC was uh, setting up like Marvel had to do way back when. DC is just a little behind what Marvel doing, but they caught up quicker. In, in a shorter amount of time in the amount of movies they've done you know what I mean and and holy holy guacamole man this this is going to be good stuff that's going to be good stuff yes this trailer I and even the way that, that it opens I mean it doesn't feel like a superhero film right away and that, I think that was the the building of it but yeah I can I just I feel like the sense of like overwhelming like hope and like fuzzies um, because when that movie, like, when you first, there's a, there's a sheen in it where you see a bullet, uh, shell, like, fall from oh. the bat, and, you know, then you have Ben Affleck's, you know, talking about Superman was that beacon of hope, he didn't just make people, like, he, he saw the, like, that's exactly, like, describing Superman to a T, and I just, uh, like, I've enjoyed the DC films, uh, thus far, um, even the ones that aren't canon to the DCU, like, I am still prevalent to almost every movie they've made, um, aside from the Superman films as they went on. Um, but no one's talking about Quest for Peace. Um, right. <laughs> Which, by the way, when that came out, I hate to say it, I loved it. I, I was a kid at the time. I was their target audience, and I, I bought what they were selling, you know what I mean? I yeah. was... <laughs> If you remember that Superman four of the Quest for Peace, aside from uh, Superman two when he when he fought the the Zod and the Kryptonians, that was really the only time that Superman fought like an actual super villain. You know what I mean? And uh, at the time when that Superman four Quest for Peace came out, that that buff bleach blonde dude that was like that was a super villain to me. That I was like, oh man, that guy's got muscles. He's buff as Superman. He's got look at those nails. It was. I still make the argument that they like, need to put Nuclear Man in. Like reimagine him and put him in the comics. Why not? He was a. I like that character. It, it, was, it was a character that was a, a, a Superman's physical equal. You know what I mean? The, the, the Superman's one of those characters that it's so hard. He's just so powerful. It's so hard for them to come, dream up with characters that are, are, are a physical match for him that make for an awesome combat. You know, and I think he was one of those guys that he would make a great a great adversary. I liked him. Yeah, so uh I guess we got to talk about the the uh the giant easter egg in this trailer uh since we're on Justice League. 
that little green spot in the trailer. If you, it's it's if you, if you miss it, if you blink, it's a miss. You miss it kind of thing. But uh, we, a lot of fans are speculating that we are getting a Green Lantern in this film. Well, if it, I, I, when I kept rewatching that trailer, didn't they say like there's no lantern? Yes, in, Steppenwolf in, did say that. They, yeah, he said there's no lantern, the Kryptonian. Like, so I'm wondering if maybe you might be right, and and I and I wonder if maybe that's gonna be. I can I I can see them not pursuing that until the end credits. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I, I I don't see Green Lantern being in this film, but being given as a gift at the end for things to come. You get what I'm that saying? That would be the smart thing to do, I think, because you don't. When you look at the 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 Avengers film, like I hate to compare DC to Marvel, but like the Avengers film, like the first time around for that, you had Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Black Widow. You had five characters, and this central story you have, and everything that they've been building to this far has been Aquaman, Cyborg, Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman. And and that's that's been the core of the, this this universe building team that we've kind of seen like come over you know for for so long and I think that that's going to be the the one that they're going to do it. But uh, I also read this article this morning on comic book resources that um, the scene where Bruce is standing in front of the computer and you see that like that little flag hologram. Um, I guess like the cape and you think obviously the overlay says no Kryptonians obviously you're thinking it's Superman but if you look right. really closely at the, the the calf it's not uh, it's not like Henry Cavill's normal as the article put it muscular uh, calf it's not blue like his suit um, it looks almost uh, flesh toned um, Supergirl yes, a lot of people are speculating now that Supergirl's going to be in this film as well Wow. Okay. Now, now you done did it, Josh. Now we we were having we were having a nice friendly conversation about comic books and trailers. You're gonna take us down the rabbit hole of fan theory now. Okay, so I'm jumping in. Both feet first. Let's do this. When Alfred is saying uh, he told us you would be here, let's just hope you're not too late. Now, are you saying that's Supergirl and not Superman? Uh, because there are people... To, to me, that was in your face, everything except showing him this is Superman. But I've been hearing these wild speculations that that could be a million different people, which I'm thinking, how are you thinking this? So when you drop me that flesh-colored ankle or calf, I'm thinking you're saying to me, Gabe, this might be Supergirl jumping in this party, and then uh, maybe Soup's a little later. I I think that they will handle Supergirl the same way that they handled Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg in BVS. I think that if she is in Justice League, uh, that it'll be kind of like Bruce is studying them, because if you remember at the end of Suicide Squad, he gets all the uh, uh, metahuman files, so there's a good chance right. that you know, he knows her and he's been watching her, um, you know, maybe approaching her about, you know, the possibility of, of joining the Justice League. 
Um, but I, I personally think that at the end of the trailer, it was definitely Superman that Alfred's talking to. Right. Okay. Okay. That's the word agreement thing. Cause I, I tell you what, that it's, it was that. And then if you notice after that sequence, it says all in, which to me, it means this is when Superman joins the group, you know? So I, I think it's like that trailer, that, that was the trailer's way of saying, Hey kitties. We promise Superman's going to be in this movie and he's going to kick all kinds of super butt. You know what I mean? Don't worry. He'll be in here doing it. So I think we're not going to get Superman until the, the very last act. Um, I think, I think that's what a lot of people have been speculated because you cannot say that Superman's not in this movie because when we got the first trailer last year, we also got a poster last year that featured Superman right in front. Exactly. So. But that is not the only trailer. We got several more trailers to talk about. So let's jump into the end of the world since Justice League is dealing with apocalyptic themes. Let's jump into Marvel and Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) Josh, all Thor number one, right? Not a fan. I, I watched it because Natalie Portman was in it and that other girl was in it that's in that what's Kat her name Dennings. from the two, two Kat Denning I'm a huge Kat Denning fan if she's in a movie I'll see it you know but I that was one of the slowest Marvel movies stop me if you disagree but it just the pacing on that it, it, I was I was not I, I took that medicine so that I could say I've been watching all the Marvel films I'm a, I'm a loyal Marvel zombie I did what I'm supposed to do you know what I mean but I wouldn't say I enjoyed it uh, Thor number two, they were serving up more of the same for me. I, I, I you know what I mean. Uh, I, this is what I have to say about it. I saw it. You know what I mean. But this third one, holy moly, they they finally reached me. It 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 was like it was like the creators of Thor Ragnarok were like, you know what? We keep missing Gabe. Let's stop that. Let's do this one for him. He likes action. He likes buff dudes. He likes jokey quips. He likes, you know what I mean? They, when they have Hulk coming out of there, <laughs> all battle-worn and ready, oh, it's, they got me. They got me. I was not excited about Thor, any of them, ever, until I saw the actual trailer for Thor Ragnarok. Even when they were talking about production, even when they were talking about making it, even they are saying Hulk was in it, even they are all up in that, I was like, ah, I've been burnt too many times, you know. Too, you know, I was they were at strike two with me, but man, tell me that trailer doesn't look good. Oh, that trailer looks fantastic, and Cape Blanchett as Death. Um, well, I guess not. Not saying Death. Um, Hella is the name of, of the character, and a lot of people have been speculating for a while that she's going to be Mistress Death for Infinity War. Um, I was one of those that kind of felt like that. I was one of those that when I when I watched the trailer, especially this recent one, the the newest one, man, I felt like that too. And 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 you got to think, you got to think the way uh, this one comes out before Avengers, it's, they've got to be. It's there's got to be something setting up a link in them, you, right? You know what and I mean? We have be. yet to actually see the sixth Infinity Stone. And the director of this film also said that that it, this sets up for Infinity War in a lot of ways, a lot of major ways. And I just when I when the trailer got done, like you're saying, it's a beautiful trailer, great action sequences, um, in 
the the ending, you know, great great humor from uh, you know, Hulk and Thor. That was a great back and forth, but the one thing that really I walked away with was um I always like the the death uh Thanos kind of dynamic to me in the comics was really really well done and um in the Infinity Gauntlet uh original like storyline I I loved that whole like back and forth kind of like relationship that they had and I just watched it and I was like man Kate Blanchett says the word death a whole lot like I am death a whole lot so I'm I'm pretty sure that Marvel's like trying to tell us something yeah oh absolutely and and you know what's funny you say that uh what I love about the relationship between death and Thanos and and if you read all these you got to admit it's true Thanos, he's always trying to impress death. That's his goal. He just wants, he's trying to show her how much he loves her. And, and it's a classic boyfriend, girlfriend situation. Thanos spends his whole relationship trying to impress death and death's like, that's nice, but bring the thunder. Okay, that's good, but what else you got? Okay, that's nice, but mama wants some more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think they, I think they really nailed the, the, the girl, boy love dynamic. Like, no matter what Thanos does, that, that's gonna keep me like, come on. Bring, bring them more. Bring them <laughs> shinier, newer, deader. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> yeah, Infinity like Infinity Gauntlet. At the heart of it, it's just a love story. It it really is. It 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 really is. It, and that's, I think that's the beauty of truly great storytelling is when you can tell an epic tale that really comes down to. I mean, all really great stories coming down to love. Lost revenge, you know what I mean. These are these are certain staples of, of human emotion that everybody can identify with. And to be a really good creator and storyteller, what you really want to tell is a real human story that maybe they haven't heard in that direction before. You get what I'm saying? And 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 I I think that's that's really the nuts and bolts of it. And Marvel. They they really nailed that with the Thanos and Death storyline, and I I would not be shocked if they bring it home in the in the cinematic universe. Well, know? not even that. I feel like when you have someone as talented as Kate Blanchett, you don't just sign her for one movie. Look, you ha- you have oh, exactly. you have talent like Rene Russo. You had her for two movies. You have a talent like Tom Hiddleston. He's been in uh, this will be his fourth film, and not to mention that you have an Oscar winner like. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, who is going to be doing his third film uh, with Ragnarok here, so I feel like I, Marvel really like when they when they get like high caliber actors like Camp, like Kate Blanchett, they they really have a tendency to to sign them to multiple films. And I'm hoping that that theory actually pans out, and you're gonna see uh, Death come into Infinity War. But yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, it, I hope what you're saying is true because I want more Jeff Goldblum. And I've seen him in the trailers for Thor Ragnarok. So, if, you know, Jeff Goldblum yeah. is. Yes. I, okay. they, <laughs> they also released a. Well, as you're talking about this, I like. Uh, someone on Reddit, I think it was, posted this, took the, the Ragnarok trailer, because Comic-Con also released the Ragnarok trailer that's like, or, uh, poster, super trippy. But they took every character on it, Thor, 
Hulk, Hela, Valor, uh, Valkyrie. They took every person off of this and replaced it with Jeff Goldblum's face. <laughs> I got to see that because I tell you what. There's not a movie that guy's not in that he doesn't steal the movie, man. I, I enjoy him. And when I was watching the trailer, they show him, like, sitting in a chair, and he, he says just something quippy, like, oh, these guys are tough or something. Yeah. And I thought, I'll be damned. Jeff Goldblum's in this. Well, who's he playing? Well, how big of a character is he? I hope they keep him around. <laughs> so I'm, I'm intrigued to see who he plays and how big of a, a role he has. You I know? just sent it to you on Facebook. Um, oh, awesome! But yeah, he uh, he plays the grandmaster, so he kind of plays the the overseer of the uh, world that uh, Hulk and Thor get captured on and are fighting on, doing the gladiator matches. Oh, so there is a potential for his character to be stretched out over time, maybe in other movies. Or I not. I think that his character and the Benicio del Toro's character. Uh, the collector from the Guardians films, I believe that they are one in this, like, that they're the same exact race. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Um, but I don't, like, I, I'm, I'm, like, very rusty on, like, some of, like, my, like, Marvel history. But I think that if they were, um, that they definitely could be. Because I think that the collector is, they're setting him up for future installments. And so I think the same would, would, go for Grandmaster as well. Well, that would be a, a very good idea on their part. Very good idea. Yeah, you can't be Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like that poster? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny! Holy crap, is that funny? We have the technology, Josh. We yes, have the we technology. <laughs> I don't know what's funnier, that Thor, Jeff Goldblum, or the Hulk, Jeff Goldblum. The Hulk, Jeff Goldblum, right. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he has just enough sass in that picture, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Just enough sass. Uh, <laughs> well, well uh, I'll provide a link for you, for the listeners down below. You guys can uh, check out the poster as well. Um, yes, they deserve, they deserve this gift of love as well. <laughs> I don't even remember how I came across it. I was just... Searching, I was just on on like comic book resource or like comic book movie one night, and I was like, "Oh, Jeff Goldblum everywhere." <laughs> That's funny. All right, so uh, let's talk about Ready Player One. Uh, this is the first glimpse that we got from this new film from Steven Spielberg, and this has been a long time coming. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen a Spielberg film in a long time. At least in like yeah. this oh, kind yeah. of like adventure kind of like genre, so to say. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this property, though? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's my first thought. Number one, I'm a huge Steven Spielberg fan. The guy has been putting it down for decades upon decades upon decades, and I don't mean I'm talking about. You can look at when Josh came out. That was what 78, I think it was. Yeah. You, you can you can look seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand. Every decade, this man has put out not movies, but exceptionally, exceptionally well done, well crafted, well directed stories. And he's always been ahead of the curve 
with special effects. He's always been ahead of the curve with storytelling. The, 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 the man is, is truly a, a visionary and a, a, a genuine legendary director, if you ask me. He's, he's, he's iconic. And one of the things that caught me was in that trailer, they billed him as game changer uh, Steven Spielberg. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that, but they're, they're, they really gave him a grand wah title for this movie, and, and rightfully so. I, when I saw that, what caught me off guard was my such open acceptance of them giving him that title. Like, I saw it, and I thought, wow, that fits. Like, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that, that fits. I know nothing of this uh, uh, movie. I know it's based on a book. That's all I know. Um, I can say that trailer was so beautiful. And I trust Steven Spielberg with my cinematic experience so much. Uh, I am going into this movie blind and couldn't be more excited about it. You know, I could not be more excited about it. Whatever you know about it, please let me know. But that thing, whoa. They, and you know what the crazy thing is? They gave you no details as to the plot, the nothing. They just gave you this visual overload saying Steven Spielberg's bringing this boom here you go you know what I mean even the exposition that, that, that uh, the narrator was given was kind of it, it was it didn't really tell you anything it just you know what I'm saying just gave you just enough to get you in there I guess before like I, I kind of before I kind of like talk about like give you a little bit history about what this because I'm in you like I I know a little bit about the book from like like friends but I don't know like too much because like I haven't read the book but I think one one thing that I really enjoyed about this trailer was the fact that I never in a million years would have thought that I would have ever seen the Iron Giant and Freddy Krueger right next to each other that let me tell you (laughs) you know you just hit the nail on the head and, and this is how crazy that is there was so much going on, and there is so much I'm saying right now. I didn't even get a chance to even say what you just said, which was there is a lot of copyrighted characters in this movie that are from different uh, companies. How the hell did that happen? How the hell did that happen? Well, Iron Giant and uh, Iron Giant is actually a Warner Brothers property, which this is a Warner Brothers film, and. Right. Uh, Freddy Krueger's New Line Cinema. That's not which Warner is Brothers. owned by. They got bought out about like. They got bought out by Warner Brothers. Two thousand eleven, I think. No way. No. So you're so you're saying that, that all those characters they are underneath the same umbrella. Then. Yes. Um. This is essentially. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you've ever seen the Lego Batman movie, this is essentially like that on a bigger scale. Um. Oh my Almost, goodness. but the, pretty much, uh, essentially, what this is, uh, what the pro- what this film kind of almost is, is this would pretty much be Tron for this generation. Um, I think that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, essentially, the 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 narration that the the exposition in the beginning is, you know, kind of like you know, there's nothing left. And you can kind of see that if you look really closely at the imagery that before he kind of steps into this virtual world. 
Um, but you know, they're kind of moving into this culture where VR is becoming like the norm. Um, so to say, you're not just putting on, you know, headset and escaping, like you're actually entering into this world. Um, I, I think that, uh, it would have very heavily, like a lot of heavy influence from like, you know, George Orwell's 1984, uh, the matrix, um, so on and so forth. And, and Tron, obviously, like I had said, um, but this, like you were saying, like this trailer is just so beautiful, and there is just there is so much here, and you don't even really feel like you walk away. You're like, because I I walked away and I was like, I don't know anything about this movie. I don't know if I really want to see it yet. I'd really like to know right. a little bit more about the the plot of the story. But it was a beautiful trailer. Yeah, exactly. You know, you hit it. The only thing with me is it was visually stunning and I trust Steven Spielberg there there are very few people that I'll trust to take me somewhere eyes closed but Spielberg's one of them Quentin Tarantino's one of them you know what I mean there's, there's a handful of, of, of writer directors that I feel like they, they are such masters of their craft that I, I trust them I trust them Spielberg's definitely one of them absolutely yeah I think it's I, I think it's really hard to, to kind of even if you don't like a Spielberg film, I feel like that there are still like aspects of that film that you have to at least appreciate. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The man is a master storyteller. Yes. I mean, he's a he's a really great storyteller, and he's a wonderful director. And I'll tell you what, there's I I can't think of a Spielberg movie I did not like. I can think of a Spielberg movie that maybe wasn't. Uh, like Schindler's List obviously wasn't Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or Raiders of the Lost Ark but it was still an absolutely well crafted film you know the, the man he 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 did absolutely wonderful work with that and that just shows you the skill level he has he he could take something like Schindler's List which is pretty you know let's just say it's a pretty dark subject matter and and his 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 ability with his craft to take this and actually make a very beautiful story is you know, unparalleled. I mean, freaking look at the ET. Look, you know, look at it. Look at anything he's done. Is knocked it out. He's knocked it out. Yeah, and even from like early on, like you look at something like ET, not ET. Uh, that's not what I wanted to go. Jaws. Um, early in his career, oh. uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, as well. And then you know, obviously, he moved into you know doing ET and the Indiana Jones franchises. Um, as a whole, and uh, you know, he Jurassic Jurassic Park. Jurassic Parks, man. This, oh man, this, I tell you what, and, I, and he even did a Minority Report, didn't yes. he? I love that movie. I love that movie, and that that right there was the. I I would that right there when I watched it, it didn't it 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 didn't feel like a Spielberg movie, but that quality of storytelling was there. You know what I mean? I I think that right there was that was was, was a that was the thing that was the most uh, action style. Nah, I, I guess I guess Indiana. It was like Indiana Jones in in space. I guess it could, but I love that one. I love to me that to me that was the most. I it was one of the Steven Spielberg movies I liked so much that didn't feel like a Spielberg movie to me. If, if that makes any sense. Yes. And, but I feel like Spielberg no, like is it. kind of one of those directors that you look at his filmography and 
the best way I've ever heard it put is like there's nothing that kind of matches the the genre before it. Like, um, you know, you obviously he 1993 is a great example because Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, two opposite spectrum films that really are both told masterfully and beautifully, visually stunning, and there's just nothing else like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so definitely, I'm a, I'm pumped for his, pumped for the flick. Yeah, and it, I'll, I'll check it, it seems, out. It seems <laughs> kind of like a a return to form for him. Um, I feel like he's been as of recently he's been doing more along the lines of like those World War Two projects. Um, this oh, yeah. kind of seems like a classic, you know, E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park. This kind of seems like those kind of fun, like, visually stunning pieces. Absolutely. Absolutely. Summer blockbuster, my friend. Summer blockbuster, without saying. This, so. this is the man. This is the man. I don't know when it comes out. I think it comes out in March, actually. Oh, does yeah, it? so summer <laughs> blockbuster starts early. Well, they trust him that much. <laughs> but uh yeah so another guy that is um a genius in his own field is Todd McFarland and oh. uh McFarland actually has been talking for what feels like <sighs> like 4 or 5 years now about uh, a spawn reboot and and kind of coming back and uh last September, um, like when we were like in our infancy stages, we had talked about a story um, with him, and you know he promised fans this this new uh, Spawn. It's going to be dark. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be R-rated. It's not going to be like the '97 film. And if you've never seen it, it's on Netflix right now. So you guys can go see how bad it really is. Um, <laughs> I loved that film growing up, and I went back and watched it two weeks ago. It's a terrible movie. Don't tell me that. It ages badly. It ages it? terribly. Oh, because you know what? I honestly, uh, I, I saw it in the theaters, and when that came out, like, I was a hardcore. Like, at that time, any time a superhero movie came out, you were just happy. You know what I mean? Like, like it made it in the theaters. Like, it, and it, it made some box office. I remember enjoying it, and then I remember buying it on DVD because that's what you did when you were a comic book collector and you did your due diligence, you know what I mean? You supported the right. cause. I remember enjoying it, but you are like uh, probably the thousandth person to tell me that that does not age well. And I've been told I've been told by a couple of people if I liked it, don't, don't go back and watch no. it. Appreciate it through the goggles that I have, the memory yes. goggles. <laughs> Cause like I, I saw it on like I saw it on Netflix and I was just like I gotta watch that and like my wife's not like not into like horror kind of stuff like that so I was like she went to bed early one night I was like I'm gonna watch Spawn and I was like man <laughs> this movie is not how I remember it like at all the HBO series was so much better the HBO series was phenomenal now you say that and here's the thing. The, the New Line Cinema Spawn, to me, it did not feel like a horror movie. It felt like an action movie with dark undertones. You get what I'm yes. saying? That's what it felt like to me. 
the HBO Spawn animated series, horror. That thing was, to me, dark on a level of the It's miniseries that came out on TV, if you remember that. I just bought it on DVD like two days ago. Oh, have you seen it I have. I, uh, I'm actually going through and reading the reading the book right now for the first time. Oh my gosh! So you, but but when you watch that, you know it it has such an eerie feeling to it when you're watching it. You know what I mean? It that I'm not a horror fan because I just for some reason I I'm I feel it really viscerally, you know. And when someone can do horror to that level, it's like oh, I I feel like. Oh, I feel icky, like watching it. You know that—that to me, they're doing good horror. And that Stephen King's it, woof. That—that was made for TV, and that thing made me feel uncomfortable as heck. You know what I mean? And that HBO Spawn show—it was the same thing. That thing was animated, but it's still, man, you needed a bath after watching that. Especially when the clown and the violator was in there, he was disgusting, man. You know what I mean? They—they nailed it. They nailed it. So I think Todd. That's what he's going for with this movie. I think he's going for that same horror, dark, uncomfortable, ugly type of film. You are right because he said he gave an exclusive at Comic-Con that uh, the the reboot is, is moving forward and now actually has a production company. Um, production company that is behind it is uh, Bloomhouse Productions. Um, if you have, they are just, they are just like the leading people when it comes to horror. Um, they have, uh, they did Get Out this year. If you've seen Get Out, fan, fantastic movie. I've, I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. They are going to be doing, uh, they are the people next year that are going to be doing Michael Myers. Halloween again. Oh wow! Um, they've done a whole slew of other great horror pro- properties. Um, so I think that uh, having Spawn kind of come into into that, I think that you're going to get that HBO feeling in the on on the big screen in live action. Oh wow! Well, that's the, that's what I, I I believe that's what Todd's been. That's always been his one gripe about. The first film was that was more actiony than horror-y. And so I, it, it, obviously he's going to the right people. He's going to the right people to do it this time. So, you know, the, the, I'm sure the fans of the Spawn comic will be extremely impressed, extremely excited. And he's actually set to write and direct it as well. What? Yeah. Ooh, talk about rolling the dice like Vegas, baby. Let's. Uh, Which. That's, it's, it's, it's actually funny because um, that was definitely one of his biggest gripes um, about the original one was that when he had sold the original property uh, Spawn originally um, like he had sold it I think within like the first six issues the of like Spawn actually being a comic they had, the Columbia Pictures had actually um bought the rights and they were trying to negotiate it and he pretty much told them that uh, that he wanted creative con- like he wanted you know a good deal of creative control and they wouldn't give him what he wanted so he took he this is a true story took the rights went to New Line Cinema who did the 97 film and also the um the HBO show, 
told them that he would sell them the rights for a dollar if he could have all of the if he could have creative control and could uh, supervise and get all the merchandising role. Oh wow! They took yes. it. Yes, obviously. Yeah, like I, like that's such a good deal. Like, how do you turn down a film like that? <laughs> Dang. Well, you know, the, the only here's not, when you said that to me. Here's what here's what I worry about that. Uh, t- t- what movies has Todd directed? None. What movies has Todd written a script for? None. Oh geez, like I here's his chance to take his baby, give it to someone with real technical skill and ability, give them his voice, his direction of what he wants, and allow them to make his vision. I worry that he doesn't have the technical skill to bring in a high quality spawn movie. You get what I'm saying? I do, but I will counteract you up with this, thanks to your boy. Uh, Jared Gifford turning me on to this little documentary called uh, it was on Image Comics it was The Image Revolution is what it was called yes um, yes. Todd McFarlane when he started drawing Spider-Man um, and he got his own book he had never written a Spider-Man like he had never written any comics before at all and right. that became I think it's like still the like spawn like or not spawn um Spider-Man number one by Todd McFarlane in like late 80s, early 90s still one of the most coveted comics to ever exist um, Oh, and you, and, and you know what, I'm glad you said that because though was a really well written story I don't know if you remember those but the first uh, Spawn comics that came out I mean the Spider-Man comics that Todd McFarlane wrote and drew, uh, they featured the lizard and oh my lord that stuff was dark man it was Absolutely, like it was dark Spider-Man comic. You, it, it, it was kind of like you could tell what Spawn was going to be from the way Todd wrote Spider-Man because Spider-Man, to me, was always a pretty jovial character, you know. Uh, and the Spider-Man series, when Todd was drawing and writing, it was he put he put Spider-Man through the ringer, man. He even put Peter Parker through the ringer, like that. That that original Lizard tale was was dark as heck. It even ended on a on a dark note. And then after that, they did the Spider-Man Wolverine guest series that Todd wrote, right? And I was expecting a fun, exciting, like, bantery adventure. Oh, no. It was about <laughs> child molesters. It was about, you know what I mean? Like, he, he took us down. And it was crazy. The whole Wendigo tale. Oh, my. Like, ooh. I, I, I had to watch fun cartoons after reading <laughs> Todd's uh, Spider-Man stories. He, he took it there. You know what I'm saying? So... Thanks for the reminder. I, I, sometimes you forget that there are people that are just very good storytellers that might might have – he might surprise us. You, you might be right. You absolutely might be I, right. I, th- I, I, I think and I hope I am um, because Spawn uh, obviously was the first title that launched Image and now here they are 25 years later and you know their household names. Walking Dead is one of the biggest – you know, phenomenons that television has seen in the last 20 years. Um, I, I like, and, and it all started with, you know, one book. And so I, I feel like as far as writing, I trust him as far as writing, but comic creators don't always have the best trans, uh, transition from coming from 
uh, film, like coming from like comics over to like directing, and right. uh, uh, Frank Miller directed the Spirit, which was a comic that he had written. If you know anything about Frank Miller, Frank Miller is a fantastic writer. Daredevil, The Dark Knight Returns. He's a legend. Exactly. He's a legend. And but the Spirit was a as a quickly forgotten film that most comic book fans that saw it didn't appreciate it. And some comic book people should stick to should stick to their medium, but Todd has been very advocate if you remember any of the HBO series he always introduced them so you know that's his brand uh, he oversaw all of the production for the toys he was very very vocal in you know the the mistakes of, of the the first film so I feel like I feel like he's gonna really take what the experience of the 97 film and really grow upon it um, I'm just kind of curious to see who they're gonna get to play the clown and who they're going to get because as much as I don't like the the 97 film I like John Leg- Leguizamo uh, I, his performance still you, holds up it, it took everything I had Josh it took everything I had because we were shitting mutually on Spawn I, 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 I wanted to say that so bad but I I thought uh, this, but since you said it he was awesome John Leguizamo was freaking awesome as the violator and as the clown. He had just the right amount of hilarity with psychoticness mixed in. I don't know if you remember, but there was a, a point that he was uh, he was he was being the clown. He was being funny and, and being jokey, but then he turned so quick to be evil and 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 dark and talking. And it was a it was a mix of the cinematography with the makeup and with just with Leguizamo's voice the way he danced around and the way he talked and you know yes. what I mean I, man I'm glad you said that because I, I see this is why I want to watch it again for me for, for me I like action I, for me comic books movies TV shows I like action I, I, I'm not one of those guys like there are some people like oh my god I watched Fast and the Furious 8 and there was just so much action I couldn't catch my breath it was overload and I'm like no bro that was I loved it I, take me up take me up take me up take me up take keep it going I'm all about it you know what I mean and uh, between the action sequence and set pieces of the original 97 Spawn and John Leguizamo and I just like Michael Jai White as, a, as an actor I think he did a yes. pretty decent job as, as Al Simmons with the script he was given uh, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I want, I want to say I, I haven't seen it in so long, but from what I remember, it seems up my alley. You know, I, I, I agree with you. Leguizamo, he was, he was doing really good. I, I thought he really nailed that role, man. Right. So I think, that, I was but, gonna say, I was like, I, I feel like that's gonna be the biggest challenge because when it comes to Spawn, I feel like your mainstream audience that knows of Spawn that's going to be like the main antagonist so to to kind of go like because i like i i know like a little bit about spawn but like i don't i know like the violator and the clown like those are his like two big enemies and so it'll be interesting to see like well see they 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 were they were his two biggest you have to keep in mind since spawn the 97 movie came out and now we're talking about 20 years and spawn has been out monthly monthly for 20 years 
the, the stories they have told now, the cast they have had in, the, the, the villains they have had in, the, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a whole library now that they pull from that, you know, I don't, I don't even think it, uh, I don't even think it's necessary to go with the Violator and clon- uh, 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 the Clown at this point. I mean, you, you can, of course, but there's also the Hellspawn. There's just, there, there's so many different storylines that are epic at this point that have been told through Spawn that they, they can do a lot. They, I mean, there's 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 a lot of different stuff. They can use Angela. Can you imagine Ooh. that? Well, no, no, you no they cannot because Angela you know is now actually a Marvel property. What? Yes. You better stop that. No, I will actually send it to you. How does that? Work? Uh, so the Angela is one of my favorite image characters. She actually was co-created with uh, Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman actually in 2014 <sighs> went back to uh, and sold the rights to. Um, and if you know anything about Image, Image is a creator-owned studio, so he took. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly like the technical terms, but Neil Gaiman went and sold the rights to Angela uh, to Marvel, and Marvel had actually what they did was they introduced her into uh, Thor. And she was, what? yeah, she's uh, she's Thor and Loki's long lost sister, and they introduced her. What? And uh, she is a friend of the Guardians of the Galaxy now. So, what? Josh, you can't you can't just go around nonchalantly. <laughs> Telling cre- independent creators like myself that hey Gabe, it is totally feasible that one day Marvel can buy Midnight's Avenger and have Midnight's Avenger and Punisher shoot bad guys just bullet holes full. And you're like, do you understand? That's what you're telling me. Like Neil Gaiman created the character for then took his toy with some Marvel comics where they said, yeah, yeah, we got a place for Angela right next to Thor and Loki. These iconic characters we've had for decades. Oh man, that you just—I'm not going to cry right now. I'll wait till later, sir. But that is an epic tale of success. You're telling every indie creator, every any indie creator is listening to this podcast. You hear what he's saying, man? You get a character; it is possible. Marvel or DC can buy this character and put him right into their freaking fold. That—that's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, he's not the first one to do it. You look at uh, Jim Lee; took his entire line of Wildstorm. DC. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. DC, huh? Grifter's part of DC. Yes. Um, and actually, if I remember correctly, Warren Ellis um, actually is now writing the uh, Stormwatch or Wildstorm. They're back at DC. That is amazing. That is that is like truly living the dream right there. That is that's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Holy crud. Yes it is. And speaking of big big uh we also got the last story that we got coming off of is the first trailer of the Defenders. Well, I guess the second trailer. The Defenders, which we are now like three weeks away from on Netflix. Ah! This, these, 
Listen, the Marvel movies are fun, man. They're exciting. You understand that? They're 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 awesome. I'm a huge fan. But my whole life collecting comic books, I was reading The Punisher. I was reading Luke Cage and Iron Fist. You know what I mean? These are the dirty, grimy characters I was into. The space stuff was cute and it was nice. And if there was a crossover over all books, I would get them because I was a faithful Marvel zombie. You know what I mean? I would cough up a coin and I would collect them. All of my Avengers, Captain America, Thors, all of my runs from those comic books, you could tell were all from mega crossover events. Those were the issues I had. Anything else I didn't really collect because those weren't necessarily my books. But The Punisher, every volume that came out, every book that came out, I was getting. Anytime Luke Cage and Iron Fist, because those things would come out for 16 issues, they'd be gone. They'd come out for 24 issues, they'd be gone. You know? So I was always the one buying those books. Daredevil, his run, Frank Miller's run, Lee Weeks' run, John Romita Jr.'s run. Th- these dirty, grimy street characters, that's the stuff I grew up on, I still read, I love. It's, it's what I like to create. It's, I'm a fan of. And that Defenders trailer was awesome sauce. You know what I mean? Ah, frick. Seeing those guys fight together, he, see, I like quips. I'm sorry, but if you're doing it right, you're, there's a lot of sass going around between team men. Members, they're joking in between kicking ass. It's just, it's just how it's done. You know what yeah. I mean? When you're a tough guy, you got a smart mouth, right? Yeah. You gotta be. You're kicking butt in spandex. You gotta give him some one-liners, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I, I really enjoy. I'm, I'm a '90s kid, so like, I, uh, one thing that I really have enjoyed about the all of the Defenders trailers thus far has been the Nirvana theme song that they've been using. Oh yeah, come as yes. you are. I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I love. I lit this trailer. It sets it up perfectly. Nice blend of like you were saying, like the quips and the humors here. Um, great action sequences here. The Marvel Netflix series are now infamous for the hallway fight scenes, and this one opens up on a fantastic one. Um, getting a uh, getting a talent like Sigourney Weaver to to play your villain. Oh who you don't Absolutely. even really like and it's it's it really says something about your property when you don't really even know like the villains like end game um it just looks like Sigourney Weaver is just someone that you don't want to mess with because uh, there's a scene between her and Sick. Stick yes and like Stick just looks terrified and I I like I'm ready for it. Like I, I wasn't. Um, I you're gonna hate me, but I was not a fan of Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like they just weren't my cup of tea. Um, but I loved Daredevil. I loved Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones has been my favorite um, Netflix series that they've done so far. Um, so I think that just the just the chance of of getting to kind of get like an extended like smaller version of the Avengers I think it's going to be cool right but it like oh it, you know I think it's okay I was going to say I think it's going to be cool but it's it's uh, the personality types of the Defenders I I I love it the, one of the things I enjoyed the Iron Fist series I, I thought it did not have enough martial arts action to to really, uh, for what Iron Fist is about, but a lot of the character of Danny Rand that people 
were complaining about, I don't think they realized what they were setting up because Danny Rand and Luke Cage, they have kind of that big brother, little brother kind of attitude. You know what I mean? And you have Danny Rand who they built up as this rich kid who's got something to prove, but he kind of doesn't know what he's trying to prove, but he's trying to prove something. Whereas you have Luke Cage who knows exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to save the streets. He's got one cause and he's, he's straightforward with it, you know, and putting them together. I think you're going to see why they set up the personality type that Danny has because watching Danny and Luke Cage communicate and work together just in that small trailer, you got a glimpse of that, of the, of the oil and vinegar type of style they have. You know what I mean? I think, I think that they did a really good job of setting that up. And I think that's what people didn't quite understand through the course of the Luke, of the Iron Fist series of, of just where the, who this kid is, this spoiled kid is that, you know, he's got all this power and he knows he's got something important to do, but he doesn't, even he still at this point doesn't know exactly what he's trying to do. You get what I'm right. saying? And I, I think that that's going to mix really well. I think Luke Cage is going to help him find out what it means to be a, 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 a true hero. I, I like that. I'm, I'm excited. And I think that, uh, I think that you, you kind of need that. Um, and I think that, with because Comic Con also gave us the announcements of more seasons for Iron Fist and more seasons for Daredevil, which is kind of surprising that we didn't get one for Luke Cage because um, they're already starting to do a second season of Jessica Jones right now. Uh, that's in the midst of shooting right now, so that'll probably be with us. I would probably guess early 2018 is when they're probably looking at dropping that. Um, I think that they're going to probably do two shows a year. Um, obviously, you have the Punisher on the way as well. That's my show. <laughs> That's I am so excited for that. I'm so excited. Word in the street is he's going to jump into Defenders too, right? I think so, yeah. I think from what I heard. <laughs> he's just going to blow the fuck out of everyone away. Just <laughs> Those guys are going to be fighting. Defenders are going to be fighting. There's going to be the hand ninjas everywhere. And, gonna, and next thing you know, just see the skull, see Fang. Just da, 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 just, he's going to kick all kinds of ass, bro. Did you see him in that season two of Daredevil? Yeah. Oh, best Punisher we've had so geez. far. The best Punisher we've had so far that would that prison scene like that was the that was they were showing you how primal Frank Castle is you know when when uh John Bernthal plays Frank Castle when they when they show him getting ah psyched up to everyone's coming towards him you could see he had that that perfect balance of man I, I could die and I'm just a little tiny scared but I don't give a fuck, and I'm 100%, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, the, he nails Frank Castle to, oh, you, you, you know what I, I, I could not be any happier. Like, I cannot wait for that. That that series, that was made just for me. I got I to gotta send Netflix a birthday card or something, because they literally did that just for me. I, I really feel like that. They nailed it, man. They nailed it. He's good. Yes. He's good. Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, that's one of the great things that, They've obviously taken their time. They've built up these characters, and I think that you're gonna get. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like what the end game is, kind of of the this like whole defenders thing, because it looks like in the first trailer that we had gotten, it looks like you know 
the hand was going to be like really have a prominent feel. Now you don't see too much of the hand in here. You just it. You obviously like the Sigourney Weaver character with stick and uh, you know kind of like you know doing the classic like cliche like aerial shots. Um, so I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see what this is actually gonna be uh, based around or what they're what they're gonna go with what their end goal is. Oh, I'm exciting. It's going to be great TV. It's going to be great TV. If there's one thing I've learned right now, and call me a fanboy all you want, but I trust Marvel with my entertainment and viewing when it comes to their Netflix shows. The, the level of quality they've done here and the, the casting, the scripts, everything, is just it's been nothing but top-notch. So I, 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 I'm one of those people that I go in with my eyes closed if I really trust the property and I'm going to enjoy all of it. And at the same time, Someone could give me spoilers, right? But I'll hear them and still and still watch it because I want to see how it's produced. I want to see what you know. I, I you can tell me all the stuff you want, but I want to see it enacted. What's going on? So I'm pumped. That as far as I'm concerned, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is 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 awesome. It's entertaining, but their Netflix universe, they gosh darn it, they they nailed it, man. They nailed it. Yeah, yeah. But that is going to do it for us this week. But where can people find you online and where can people find out all about Crazy Monkey Inc. and all of the upcoming projects? All right. Now, stop if you heard this before, but I've been rebuilding the site as much as I can. But we've been getting so much stuff going on. I'm upgrading and changing. Uh, go to our site, www.crazymonkeyinc.com. Uh, once you go to that page, it'll show you we have a, a website upcoming, but it'll take you to our Facebook page where you can get all sorts of uh, upcoming previews with arts, uh, cover art, pin-up art, creative stuff going on. And then you can also go to our Indie Planet page where you can see all the books we currently have released. And uh, digital comic books are only $1.50, man, and we do print-on-demand there as well. So check us out, crazymonkeyinc.com. From there, visit our our Facebook page, like us, follow us, and then go to Indie Planet and uh, copy you some Crazy Monkey Inc. merch, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, the Crazy Monkey Inc. really is a publisher that you guys want to watch out for. Uh, they're just doing great things. Great art is is coming forth from that. Great talents. Um, we've we've been uh, so lucky to have had the chance to get to interview uh, and have on their show Mark Swan. I totally said Mark Snow earlier in the show. Mark Snow is yeah. totally the X Files composer. Um, not sure where that came from. Well, that's okay. It was just like me to not correct you at all. Let's win with it. Let's go for it. <laughs> that's when you know you have real friends. Is when they don't correct you. They just let yeah, you roll with the punches. Sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> um, we've also had Jerry Gifford on your show, and I'm sure we'll have a. Uh, a lot more people on here uh, coming up um, but I, I tell you guys that you guys do not want to miss what Crazy Monkey Inc. is putting out um, I, I really mean that And um, but if you guys are listening to this right now and you or someone you know is struggling with suicide again uh, please reach out to us this is why we do this show we, we've had a blast here tonight uh, talking about 
everything that's come out of Comic Con, all the amazing projects that this episode has just brought forth. Um, whether you're talking Remy Squad, Zodiac, uh, Cannabis Man, uh, you know, Darum, so on and so forth, and and but all of that at the end of the day is is just entertainment, and, and it can't bring real hope. Um, but we know and believe that if you or someone you know is struggling with um, suicide, depression, self-harm, or addiction, that you can have that hope that it is something that you can call yours and it's something that is not just a concept that a creator puts into a film or into a comic book, but it's something that you can hold in your hands, something that you can call yours and call uh, reality. So if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash victimsandvillains or victimsandvillains.net slash contact. We'd love to be a listening ear, love to be a, love to be a, uh, uh, friend advice or uh, we'd love to be a bridge to get you guys connected to a church or a counselor any way that we believe and know that you guys can get hope but uh, you guys can also call anonymously to uh, 1-800-273-8255 or text 741-741 and someone would love to talk to you guys Uh, suicide is the current 10th leading cause of death in the United States uh, there are 121 suicides that occur daily, and for every successful suicide existing, there are 25 more that have been attempted. So please reach out and get help. Speak out because your life is worth it. Your life is valuable. Um, but for us, you guys can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and Instagram. And because of how big of a deal suicide really is, we are creating a suicide prevention revolution. And we want your help to end suicide and to see it uh, broken in all forms. And we have five fantastic ways that you guys can do that. First off, you guys can share an episode via, via social media. Share YouTube on your social media. The more people that hear... Uh, about us, the more people that are getting educated, the greater chance of breakthrough that there is. It doesn't even just have to be uh, victims and villains or one of our YouTube videos. Go share an episode of Reborn and Remember. Go share an episode of the PS Midnight cast. And a second way that you guys can get involved is to uh, leave us a review or uh, rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. And what this does is the more people that... Uh, the more f- traffic we have with reviews and, and subscriptions, the greater chance of when someone goes and, and searches keywords in, into any of those search engines, whether it would be suicide prevention, whether it would be independent comics, support indie, whatever have you, we have a greater chance of showing up. And again, brings back to the concept of the first one, the more people that are hearing what we have to say, the more people are hearing about hope and the more people are getting chances of breakthrough and that's really our heart behind the show if you've ever struggled with suicide or depression or addiction or self-harm and want to share your story go email us at uh, nostalgiaversemedia at gmail.com where you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net slash contact and get in contact with us we'd love to have your story on Hope Speaks Louder you guys can also uh, now 
uh, we have a we have merchandise. You guys can support us financially. Uh, you guys can go buy one of our awesome new coloring books that we just put out. Uh, also, we have Harry Potter team hats. Uh, we'll be doing winter hats for the upcoming winter. Uh, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.bandcamp.com, see all about those, or just go to Victims and Villains. It'll redirect you right to that page. Um, and not only to not only that, uh, but we also have PayPal's and Patreons, and we have some awesome perks on Patreon. And what all this money does is this money allows us to get uh, to do this more full time. And uh, the more that we get to do this more full time, the, the greater chance of impact we have to to make. Or you guys can just book us. That's the last really the the most efficient way to do it. Uh, if you run a, a comic book shop or a coffee house, uh, come and have us have your shop. But uh, speaking of events, we'll also be at CNC Coffee here in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, tomorrow night with Park, Pronouns, and Dakota Cade. So come hang out and see what all our events are all like. Well, thanks always, man. Thanks for having us on, yeah. Josh. Well, uh, go check out all of those guys, and we will be back next week with hopefully for our crossover with the Two Dude Review podcast. Uh, fingers crossed on that one. And part of our YouTube series this week, we had exclusive content from our friend Christian Welsh. And to further that, uh, his brand and his promotion, we're actually leaving you guys with one of his poems this week. It's called P.S. Until next week, keep talking nerd, talking hope, and speaking nothing else. We'll see you guys next week. Rock on, brother. And as you lay there, holding the hands of someone that you trust, you both know that they're just waiting on a train. A train that's going to take them very far from here. Maybe it swallows them whole. Maybe it catches an arm and drags them until they look nothing like you remembered. Maybe they catch a ride. Some people pass on. Some people move on. They tell you that the most difficult thing to do and the goal is to let go. But it's not. It's to keep in touch. Very much so let God. And no, don't hold on to the the spots that people fill. Don't hold on to the ideas that you have of these people. But hold on to them. And fight for as long as you can to keep love and humanity alive. Because nobody cares to do this. And we're left void. And every moment you get, act towards people with compassion. Every every moment you get, let people know that you still love them. That you still care about them. And that there is a place inside of you for them. Never close yourself off to people. Never journey distances and then blockade the bridges. Never allow the bridges to just burn away. The flames are not as resolving as you think they are. You need to hold on. Through all the static and through all the noise and all the people telling you all these misled things and all the lies and all the evil in the world and everyone who ever treat you wrong and everyone who you ever treat wrong and all the spite and all the angst and the anxiety and the mistrust and the self-esteem and the arrogance and 
the loudness of, of people, the bombasticness and, and the screaming and the screeching and the howling and the cussing and the fighting through every single thing that will try to get in your way of grasping what everything in this world means. Through all of it, you need to hold on. You need to hold on as hard as you can to the right things in the right ways. And you need to do it with patience. Because you'll wait seemingly a lifetime. You'll read and read and marvel and resist and become angry and become infatuated. You will give every single thing that you have, draining out over the length of whatever we have scratched into the bodies of our embodiments for a simple few words, ones that we don't even care to add until after all of the space allotted to us to postscript, as that that comes after writing is having been added after the end of the story is post-summation, post-staring at yourself, post-staring at others, post-settled, post-stillness, post-sound, post-silliness, all Jokes aside, post-sorrow, post-substance, post-selfishness, post-selflessness, post-suffering, post-sometimes, post-some-things, post-student, post-susceptible, post-stretched out, post-seeing the world for the way that it is, post-searching, post-still-searching, post-sin, post-sin-forgiven, post-so many more chances, post-saying everything after all of the words and all of the songs. All of the moments, after all of the hugging, after every kiss has existed, at the end of every life, there is still one more thing to be said. After it is all said and done, down at the bottom, by the time we even least expect it, your father has said it. Your father, your mother, your grandparents, and the rest of the people who you may or may not consider family, be it by blood or by meaning. Every friend that you have ever had, every person that you have answered the phone for, anyone who has seen conversations with you long into tomorrow, anyone who has never gotten a reply back from you, everyone that you were either kind or hard towards, that person who you hurt, that person who hurt you, who lent either their eyes or their knives to your back, the ones who were, are, and will be in your life, the people who you remembered to cherish every single day of it, the ones that you forgot about for weeks or months at a time, the ones you forgot about entirely, yourself. When we know that there is only time for the truth and the utmost of honesty, in these moments is where we find out what it all amounts to. Maybe we can learn to not let ourselves take so long to realize it's truth. I hope that along with taking the time to realize it, that we can take the time to look into the eyes of those in our lives of those around us and say I love you <laughs>